You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. We have an interview with Sid Garza-Hillman from the Approach the Natural book that he wrote and his own podcast, Approaching the Natural. And also, we are really, really lucky to have a special co-host with us, for real. I can't believe I'm about to say this. The real Starkey. How's it going, Let's man? just focus on how lucky you are, Brett, because you are lucky. <laughs> yes, we are blessed. Hashtag. Yes. Very blessed. blessed. Yes, to be here together. And so we dug into my uh, Zentri Cave fridge and brought out some beverages. So what, what do you have there? What are you drinking? I'm going to lie because I'd be too ashamed to say what this actually is, Brett. It's a, you should be ashamed of yourself if you don't have any beer in your refrigerator. This oh, I a, drank it all, which is a good thing. Oh, is that it? Yeah. This is a <clears throat> free plug for them. Bud Light Cranberita Margarita with a twist. It's a eight fluid ounce little can. This is <laughs> such a girl the drink. Most emasculating thing I've ever done in oh, my wait. life. I have a lime arita. My my wife got these somewhere. This is terrible. At some crocheting event or something. I'm not sure. And then uh, we're gonna drink them while we do the show. Cheers, brother. All right, cheers. All right, hold on. I gotta put my mic down. My fancy mic. Here's mine. Oh, mine? Oh, there it goes. All right. This tastes like something I could have used uh, to help get a girl pregnant at high school. <laughs> at a gravel pit party. Gravel pit party. You didn't have a gravel pit party? No, we did cornfield parties mm-hmm. when I went to military school down in the valley. Hmm. Terrible, terrible things. Well, thank you for the beverage, Brett. Oh my god, it's horrible. <laughs> Is yours horrible too? It's not bad. It's got alcohol in it. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right. So we're gonna start off with Sid Garza, Hillman, and yeah, he did this uh, book that got really popular called "Approaching the Natural," and then uh, I heard about him on the Ritual podcast. He did a really nice interview, and I remember during the interview he. he him mentioning something about being from the Houston. Already, I'm smack. I'm so I'm so high right now. <laughs> oh, and the reason that uh, the real Starkey's here with us is this is big news. You're thinking about doing your own podcast, perhaps. 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 Got to always keep people guessing, right? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you uh, showing me the ropes here. Yeah. So I'm showing him. Uh, we spent a, a few minutes going over how to make a podcast, and then I said, "Hey, I need to actually record." And there's nothing like. Uh, Recording it and seeing how I take the file and put it all in That's there. That's true. You know, the thing is this, Brett. The biggest stars in triathlon, the, the fastest athletes, the most famous people, they all want to have a conversation with me. And so to accommodate <laughs> them and to accommodate the legions of fans, the Starker Maniacs, I figured I'd better <clears throat> figure out how to at least record an interview and post it because there's great content out there that people are victims for not hearing me more on a podcast, I think. So so far, you're pretty blown away by the the high techedness. 
to coin a phrase? Yeah, yeah. Of uh, my all my paraphernalia. I went out and bought all this fancy mic and equipment and mixer, and Brett is using an iPhone. So wait, people don't know that though. You just <laughs> you just I've just been revealed by the real Starkey. And this cranberry <laughs> this is called, drink stained my shirt already. This is called a uh, black mamba. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead and get started with this interview with Sid, and let's see, what did we cover in here? I, I was showing you how I did this. Oh, we talked about how um, he ended up, we ended up living just about a mile from each other, so please endure that. You're endurance athletes out there, I think you can handle it, while we figure out that we grew up just down the, the street from each other. Um, we, there's an age gap of about five-something years between us, so we didn't really know each other that well. And then uh, we talk about um, authentic food advice versus uh, gurus that are trying to tell you, you know, exactly how to eat and what to do. And Sid is uh, really, really good about this. That's it's pretty simple stuff. So uh, that's a good part of the show. And then he's starting to get into ultra running and trail running, and I give him some tips and uh, also some fueling and gear advice. And I think everybody uh, could really enjoy that. So here we go. Hello. Hey, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine, man. Excellent. Cool. You ready to rock? I'm ready when you are. Cool. Let's do it. I'm on my lunch break. I just got done eating a very healthy burrito you would probably approve of. Would it be Sid approved? Oh, good. Yeah, Sid approved. It's very important. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I'm sitting out in my car, and I was actually looking at uh, your website, and you've got a video, I think, of you doing a um, one of your podcast interviews with a with another guy at your at your desk. Uh, yeah, the, not technically my desk. Yeah, I was just at a table at the wellness yeah. center. Oh, that looks so nice. That environment yeah. just looks really natural and pretty. And yeah, yeah, it's a great place to work. Oh, cool. So, the reason we are talking together is somebody on Twitter said, "Hey, Brett." You are a lot like Sid, and uh, because I talk about habits, and actually really small changes to habits can make a huge difference, right. and um, almost imperceptible little things, and because uh, some things seem to be like impossible to overcome, and then just one little change, and the next thing you know, you're you're uh, flying along just great uh, with big changes, and you don't even really know what happened, and. That's right. uh, and they said, "Hey, you ought to talk to um, you. You kind of co-align with uh, Sid Garza Hillman and his small. Uh, how do you? What, what is it called? Your. I'm the small. I'm the small step advocate. Small step advocate, right? And yeah. then, uh, and then I, I was like, oh, I, I've heard uh, Sid before. He's on. I think you were on the Rich Roll podcast. I was, yeah. yeah. Or, and uh, it was a yeah. really cool conversation. And, and you said something about." I think even being from Texas, like when, I went, I went to high school in Texas. Yeah. Okay, so I grew up in Houston, as like you said, Houston, right? Yeah, I, I lived in uh, Kingwood, which is a little suburb on uh, north on fifty nine. So, um, so Kingwood. Uh, what year did you go to high school there? Or eighty? I was. I lived there from eighty three to eighty seven. Okay, and so oh, okay, okay, so. I grew up in uh, Bear Branch. Yeah, I know exactly where that and is. And I went to Kingwood Middle. I went to Bear oh, Branch Elementary, and I went to Kingwood Middle. I, 
and I went to Kingwood High. You might know my brother. He graduated in 89, Michael Blankner. I can't believe, when did you graduate? Uh, 91. And so we're a little bit too far apart, I think. Unbel- I lived in Bear Branch. Really? Yeah, what my street? first, my, um, Elm Glen Drive. Anyway, this is great. I knew, I thought maybe there's no way that you went to Kingwood, that maybe you went to uh, Umble or something like that. That's hilarious. No, I lived on Elm Glen Drive and then I lived on Kings Forest Drive. Oh, you lived in Kings Forest? Yeah, my parents moved You're halfway fancy. through high school. I yeah. know. Well, that, yeah, they kind of like, my dad worked for Continental and, and halfway uh-huh. through high school, they moved uh, moved houses like before my senior year to Kings Forest. Did you play any soccer or swimming? Because then you might I was a ten. I was a tennis guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's probably why we never crossed paths. Tennis guy and a music guy. So, so let me see. Let me see where you lived in Bear Branch. After we, uh, after my brother and I left, you know, to go off to college and go destroy our reputations in the real world. We, um, right. my parents moved to the back of Kingwood where it's like this real fancy, fancy part. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. I went really, back. I was, shoot, I was, uh, yeah. it's crazy. I went, I went back in 90, I was working. I, so I left right after I graduated and went back to Los Angeles to go to college. And then, uh-huh. um, and then years later I was a, became a full-time actor, just whatever. But anyway, I was shooting a movie in Houston and we had like five days off. And so I rented a car and drove up to Kingwood and it was like a, I walked, actually walked through the high school. Nobody even questioned me. I just got out of my car, walked in the high school and just wandered the halls. And then <laughs> I did that one time. Um, too. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then, and then drove like yeah. the, like back and it's so huge now. Like yeah. they just keep adding and adding and adding. Yeah, so my parents got this huge house. It was so funny because my brother and I were like, why didn't you get this? Because they didn't change jobs or anything. They still had the same job. They actually retired. They were like, why didn't you get this super cool house while we were in school? Because we would have been like really popular with this house, the parties we could have had. Yeah, and they were like, because we were feeding you. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. probably a lot of it. That's yeah. all the extra money was So going. let's see. Kingwood, um, I lived... Okay, it was so Elm, Elm Glen Elm Glen Drive, uh, I think was the yeah. Glen. If I remember correctly. And then it was definitely King's Forest, like two eight oh seven King's Forest or something like that. Let's see, Sandy Forks. Oh, uh, you probably lived over by where Jeff Bates lived. You remember Jeff Bates? Probably, no. Um This is I people people are loving this right now on our podcast. Yeah, they're just this is like so entertaining. Hey, I can't but believe. listen, Sid and I have never talked to each other <laughs> on the phone. And this is how you get to know each other. This is how you break down walls, right? Everybody's actually pretty yeah. much the same when you when you Well, get if to you know if you consider the fact that we got connected and we actually lived in the same little subdivision of a suburb is kind of shocking. Yeah. Okay, wait, I'm trying to Okay. Riverlawn, Kingwood. Okay. Cedar Knolls, Red Maples. Oh, 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 you lived on the Creekwood side of Bear Branch. Uh, I don't even know. Yeah, it was. I know it was Elm Glen Drive. That was. Yeah. It. That was it. Yeah. 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 Okay. We used but, to go uh, over the, to that part of Bear Branch and wrap houses with toilet paper. Oh, mine. Yeah. Mine might have been. I had some good, pretty big parties over. I was oh, in a band. Celia Cullen lived over there, and Quan Archer. Don't know. I don't, don't know. know. Why okay. do I not know these people? Yeah. I think I you was, and I, I'm 41. You know, How old are you? 45. Oh, just barely missed each other. Yeah. That's so. Yeah. God, that's so funny. Yeah. I could keep going, and uh, Greg Skeppins. Maybe. No, anyway, um, okay, so then um, <laughs> that's so funny. I'm on a map right now on my laptop <laughs> checking this out. That's so cool. So you uh, you went off to uh, L.A.? Yes, I did for so college and beyond. Is this because you're, you said your dad worked for Continental? 
He did, yeah, while we were there, and uh, and my parents stayed. I I just left after I graduated high school to start college in, in Los Angeles, and so they but they stayed in Kingwood for years later, and then they moved to Atlanta and back to uh, back to San Diego. So how did you um? Well, one thing I want to I want to just say something about Kingwood is I talk about it all the time. Uh, cycling in Kingwood's no good because they don't they don't have bike lanes and they can't the way the streets are set up. The, yeah. main, the main drags were built before people got really into cycling in the USA. And mm-hmm. um, so there, it's curb and gutter, and there's there's no chance ever of there being bike lanes. But there is... Green belts. It's like 150 miles of green belts running through yeah. the neighborhood. And yeah, uh, when I go visit my parents, they still live there, um, I go run. And it's incredible, incredible. And how uh, your environment can set... They have one of the best cross-country teams, I think. Well, my and, girlfriend in high school, she was a year younger. I don't know if you knew her, but her name was Stephanie Ware and her no. her her twin sister Stacy, and they were both really good. In fact, Stacy was a ranking mm-hmm. cross country runner at the time. Yeah, and it's it's the environment, right? There's these Holy. there's these trails that go paved trails that go everywhere, and then every village because we're talking about Bear Branch in Kingwood, mm-hmm. that's a village. Every village had its own competitive swimming pool with swim teams. Yeah, and so and then tennis courts and everything like you were saying, and then uh, so they just uh, put out kids that were good at swimming and running and stuff, and it has yeah, it was, to do with your environment. Yeah, it was definitely a good good place to grow grow up at least high school. Yeah. Um, so how did you pick to go to college in L.A. coming from Texas? Well, you know, I didn't come from Texas, so I moved. I was actually born in Los Angeles and lived in San Diego, and then and then because of my dad's job, he got offered a job um, oh, in Houston. Okay. Yeah, so that yeah. that's why that's why we ended so up. You there. were kind of so, going back. Yeah, my you sister. You were okay with that? Yeah, totally. My sister had gone to UCLA, and I and I kind of had my sights set on that anyway. I mean, I did get into some other colleges, but I I I, I really liked UCLA. I'd been there a bunch of times visiting her, and I yeah. really liked it. So I settled on that one. Cool, awesome, man. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about the, the small steps. So, well, we ought to say that you're a, you're a health coach, um, and a nutritionist certified. That's right. Right. I went back to school years later and became a nutritionist. And, um, you wrote a really popular book called approaching the natural, but, and I want to talk about that, but you did all this after, uh, you were a music, a musician or an actor or both. Well, both. Both. I had the weird, weird reality for ten years of being a um, a music, a struggling musician with, uh, and an actor as my day job, and right. and uh, and made a made a good living at that, and and was able to pursue music in, in the way that I had wanted to do that. So it was kind of cool, and then I just eventually got burnt out, and and we, my wife and I, packed it up and got out of Dodge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you can tell. Um, listen, I've been listening to a lot of your shows, and. Um, you can tell that you have good presence when you're talking, and then the the videos of you online at some of the, uh, the like the Veg Fest talk and stuff, uh-huh. where you just comfortably walk up on stage and just start talking is nice. I think people are drawn to that, and I'm like, that's not normal. That's somebody that is not afraid and can get up there and just start talking and has experience doing that. Yeah, it's a, it, it's weird to think that that at all prepped me for what I do now, but it totally did. And yeah. my way of you know my way of teaching, and I go, that's kind of who knew you know that getting on yeah. stage and playing indie rock music was going to eventually you know train me to to speak in front of large groups. So kind of cool. Yeah. So how did um, how did approaching the natural? Uh, well, tell us, describe for us like what it is, and then how did you, how did the process take shape for you to put it out there for everybody? 
Well, the the book itself is a is a I call it a health manifesto, and it, and, and that's part of the title, approaching the natural health manifesto, and it really is an overall health, and I would actually add hot happiness manifesto. I'm a certified nutritionist, so so one thing I've had to struggle with is people assuming it was either a diet book or a cookbook or you know has recipes in it. It has none of those things, and it has one chapter on nutrition, and then the rest I filled out in terms of sort of an overall approach to living as as best we can in a in a supremely unnatural world. And so as I started off as a nutritionist, I was really not successful as a nutritionist because I would make recommendations and then nobody would stick to them. Right. And I kept, you know, for, for the first few months, I was just one, you know, people get all excited and they'd be like, oh, this is great. I can't wait to get da 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 da. And then three months later, they'd just be doing exactly so what they were doing before. What's a, what's a type of, of recommendation that somebody wouldn't be able to stick to? Uh, virtually anything. I mean, basically, what I, well, I mean, what I realize is that people are used to the things that they do every day. Right. And if you if you hand them a, a a plan, which is what nutritionists do, they look at that and go, "Okay, now I'm going to do this." But if the thing that they're taking on is a complete 180 from what they're used to doing, mm-hmm. if they don't if they don't approach that the right way, they're gonna. It's life is. They have a job. They have kids. They they're busy. And next, they'll do it for a short time, and then they're just like, "Screw it!" Like it doesn't become behavior for them, and, right. and and so you know how it is. And that and that was my failure is that I wasn't even making necessarily like major changes, but it was enough change that people were not able to sustain it over time. Yeah. So you could be like, "Look, it's your test results say here that you're allergic to dairy, so let's cut that out." And then people's lives—that's such—that's too much, right? Well, totally, and I mean, I mean, you're gonna understand that, like, you know, for instance, dairy specifically is is a, is literally addictive. Not like, oh, it just tastes good. There's things called casomorphins that release opiates in the brain. It's a, yeah. it's in, a, in an addict. So it's like telling an alcoholic, hey, right. listen, just stop, just stop drinking. It's not good for you. Right, and you, you know? can see and, that when people post pictures of cheese. Why would you post pictures of cheese and talk about how great it is? <laughs> because it's heaven. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Right. And so, and so, and so, I realized early on, I was like, this is not happening, and so. I just started tackling. I mean, I studied philosophy at UCLA, and I think that right. that probably played into my approach to sort of looking at overarching subjects and how to uh-huh. how to figure how to crack that nut. Yeah. Okay. So then, the the book is, is even in the title is you've got to approach the natural, right? So you take those two parts together or break them apart, I guess. So you're saying instead of trying to make a huge change. You kind of approach the change uh, gradually, well, and pl- pl- then the thing to approach is being more natural. Yeah, a little bit. So the the title is really more of I had a moment driving in my car up my road b- before I started writing the book, and, and right. I had this moment where I looked at my looked at myself and thought, look at what we've become as a, as an animal species. I'm wearing clothes, and I'm driving this machine that's tra- that's making me move really fast, and. And I just had this, and I'm blocked off from the sun, and I'm disconnected from the surface of the earth. And I had this this moment where I thought, how disconnected we've become from our natural animal selves. Yeah. And 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 that was when I realized, okay, can we live a little more naturally and and still maintain life in in the unnatural world we live in? And that was sort of the idea of approaching the natural. We can't become 
100% natural while living in the world that we live in. We just can't do it. But we can get a little closer by degrees. And then at that point, it just quickly became way more than just food. It was food and movement and socialization and, and, and our connection to nature and all these kinds of things. Then it became, okay, so how do we include those things? And that's when I started breaking it down into minute steps or however small works for people. Yeah, I think people have no idea how much we've become kind of like chimpanzees in a NASA space capsule. Like our our environment is so fake compared to where we came from. Like I was just driving to work today and they've uh in Texas construction companies bull down bulldoze down stuff really fast. So no one right. can complain and no one would complain anyway. They're like that all that nature's in the way of progress. <laughs> right. Right. And I lived in San Diego for a few years too, so I'm familiar with like nothing can get built because there's all kinds of environmental regulations across every right. every kind of and that's its own difficulty as well, you know. Right. And so the uh but I'm like they just bulldoze down these beautiful, they look like 100 over 100-year-old oak trees that where they're putting in a new uh set of buildings and burning it, you know. Um, yeah. of course, cause they're going to burn it in place instead of doing something useful with it. Right. And, but then the, I know the city zoning ordinances, they have to put trees in there. They have, you have to have like trees in front of your business. Great. I love that. And, and so the trees that are going back are going to be artificial trees that aren't native to the area. Right. And, uh, so just, just your landscape that, that we're doing now is so, uh, artificial and fake. And, yeah, and yeah. then you uh, then you start taking into account your food and the way that we're acting and the way we're doing everything, our tra- mode of transportation, everything. Yeah, and and our and our bodies on a and I actually think our minds too, but our bodies really haven't adapted to this to this modern world. We we on a physical level we are not sustaining well the stress that's associated with life in the modern world, and so. Um, you know, it is, I, I think you can regain a little bit of what's more natural. Um, and, and it makes a huge difference in how you survive or how you thrive even. Right. Yeah. Uh, can you talk for a minute about, um, I, I love, I love listening to your podcast because, um, it's very relaxed and you're, you're just talking about like these types of issues and it's kind of like a broad spectrum of stuff. And the, uh, the thing, the one phrase that keeps coming up is light box foods, which, since we're talking about fakey kind of things, uh, what is that? What is a light? It, but you have light box foods and like, like um, I think on your last show you said something about there was like a like an air box food or empty empty box empty box food. Yeah, yeah. So what is, so, what does all that mean? Okay, so in my in some of my first chapter, and people by the way can get that for free if if anybody if your listeners are interested. But anyhow, so the way that I describe food is um, in terms of a gift box. And um, and I tell people that to imagine that the wrapping paper on the outside of that box is is the calories of that food. So some of the wrapping paper comes from protein, and some from fat, and some from carbohydrate. Right. Every every food, by definition, is something we can burn for energy. So it's got calories if it's a food, and and some of those calories in any food, different ones come from protein, fat, and carbohydrate, different amounts given the food. Right. But what's what what's inside the box are the micronutrients, so oh, vitamins, yeah, minerals. Vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, and antioxidants, and really I add fiber and water in there too. And so what I tell people is that essentially the heavier the box, the healthier the food. What is inside that box makes it 
heavier. So if you've got a lot of vitamins and minerals and phytochemicals and antioxidants and fiber and water with the calories, that's a really healthy food. If you have white sugar, for instance, which all the wrapping paper would be carbohydrate, there would be nothing in the box. It's right. man-made. It's man-made, by the way, because nothing in nature nature is an empty box. We man has created empty box foods like whey protein and white sugar and and olive oil, for instance, which isn't a hundred percent empty, but it's almost empty. Right. And that, and that means it's got calories, but it doesn't have much with it. And so. The, nutritionally speaking, the more heavy box foods you put in your body, the better your body can function. And the point I, I want to make to people, at least in the United States and most developed countries, is the one thing we talk about all the time in, with regards to food is calories. We, we have discussions all the time about protein, fat, and carbohydrate, and yet calories is the last thing that we, we worry about getting. We have a ton of calories in the developed countries. We're not, we're not missing calories at all. What we are missing is what's inside the box. And that's why our health is failing. We're not starving. We just don't have the nutrition with our calories to make our bodies function well. And that's, that's why we're, we're really malnutrient as a species more than we are starving. And, and a good explanation of the way I heard a lot of our, it explained that a lot of our problem is, is the body knows when it's not getting enough nutrition. Um, it doesn't really care so much about the calorie. It'll let you know that you're not getting enough calories, but it really won't let you know too much that you're getting too many calories. But it's like set to keep eating if it's not getting enough nutrition, the heavier part that you're talking about. So food that's low in nutrition but high in calories, you'll keep eating it. You'll keep being hungry and keep eating and keep eating to get the nutrition because your body's like, I still need to eat more because I need the nutrition or else I can't function. And then packaged in along with all that, the nutrition that you finally get after eating all day is a whopping amount of calories. That's right. And so, and that's a perfect point. And, and, and that's why, um, and, well, two points. One is we would never have that kind of thing occur in the wild. Right. So in the wild, when we would eat plants or even an animal, it's of such a different form because it's heavier box that we we wouldn't overeat in the wild. That's why there's no wild animals that are really overweight. I mean, you don't see whales struggling going, can you guys wait up? I'm really, you know, like I ate, I ate too much. I can't, you know, and, and so um, there's a, a really nice balance the more natural the food is. That's why I've never had a client that can overeat a big, huge bowl of lettuce. Right. The, what we overeat are what you just said, which is nutrient deficient food. And, the, and it does trick the body to go, oh my God, this is an amazing source of calories, but it's not the kind of calories the body would ever find in nature. And it's just why, why I made the point that we really haven't adapted to the modern world. Our bodies are still going, I don't know when my next meal's coming, so I better scarf these Oreos while I got the chance. And another thing I think is, is we've really lost touch with our natural sensibilities of, of eating versus activity and the consequences of eating versus activity because they've become really disconnected. And where uh, the more stuff you try to do, the more active you try to become, the more you realize that you can't eat certain things or can't do certain things because you've, you've got to run coming up. Uh, this af this evening or this afternoon, right? And after a few bad experiences of eating really nasty stuff, like heavy greasy foods, and then trying to go run, you you're and you're getting sick from doing that, and uh, that you you start realizing the connection of how you eat 
uh, makes you feel certain ways. But until you actually start trying to be a more natural person, doing things that we used to naturally do more, then you uh, you don't you don't connect the dots, you know. And uh, that's why I think an active lifestyle, like like uh, when um, I started doing triathlon stuff, I noticed that I didn't really want to drink anymore because it made me so dehydrated in the morning, and I actually wanted to um, drink less or not drink at all because I wanted to have a nice run in the morning and not be like have cotton mouth from that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. it's great. It's a great point. And and the other thing that I try to impress upon. I mean, I'm not a triathlete. I I, I do. I know I run a couple marathons and a and a and a few halves, and I'm doing a fifty in in. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that too. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Um, but but what I want to try to impress upon people, especially your listeners, because I've been listening to your podcast too, and I and I you know it's it's great by the way, and I love just oh, it's it's also just totally entertaining. I'm not even a triathlon. I'm like, and then what? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> anyway, hey, but hey, I don't even know what's next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and then I loved the other day. I was listening to the most recent one, and your nine year olds run in. I was like, been there, and uh, yeah. you know, and so I got I got three three kids myself. Anyway, and um, but what I want to press upon people is that. You know, I've I've heard over the years many times somebody go like, "Well, that guy can eat whatever he wants. He's a triathlon, or he's a triathlete, or he yeah. he well, he runs all the time. He, he can eat whatever time. he wants." Yeah. It's just not it's just not the it's just not the case, especially if you want to perform well. Right. But I mean, when you're 20, you can consume calories much more efficiently than when you're 40. That I, I get it. So maybe you can eat the cheese pizza and you can still run the next morning. But that doesn't mean you're not heading for breakdown if you def, if you if you create deficiencies in your body. And and when you ask your body to do any activity, no matter if it's a walk or a triathlon, you are acting. You're making your body do something that is stressful on it. And the more you support your body in doing that, the better your body's going to be able to do it. It's a very simple equation. Yeah, and you know what I've noticed now is with um. Uh, with tra- if you're training, if you're actually doing um, things where you measure now, I mean, now we have all these devices where we can measure our output. You know, like heart rate and distance and speed and things sure. like that. Um, it's actually quantifiable, like the impact of what you ate and your weight too, um, on what you're trying to do. And you're well, like, where am I going to improve? And it's obvious that you, if you eat a lot of really high sugar stuff and then try to go. Uh, exercise, you can have a sugar crash, you know, and then you have like all these experiences with different types of foods and, and then your experience with trying to uh, try to stay awake in the afternoon after eating the wrong thing at lunch. That's right. And and you got to like, for my message to, to, to you and your listeners is, is also that, you know, there's a bigger picture here than just performance, which is that if you love doing triathlons or whatever you love doing, you want to be able to do that for as long as possible. Right. And, and you know, in your life, I mean. And and so there's a bigger picture of, of treating your body well so you can continue doing the things that you love doing. And, and so for me, that's my message to everybody I work with and in my podcast, which is we're really what we're really getting down to talking about is enjoying your life. And, right. and for, for your listeners, they're triathletes. And I, I was listening to that one email you just read about the guy who's like, he, he ran a, a few and then he, now he's coming back and he got out of shape. It's obviously, it's something that he loves to do. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you put it in that context, feeding your body really well is incredible. But I want to make one quick other point um, specifically about sugar, because what I'm trying to tell people recently, I've been sort of including this language in my classes and clients recently, which is 
never always ask what is coming with your calories. That's the single question we should be asking unless you are starving, in which case you want to go like, where can I get calories? But right. assuming you have, assuming you have enough to eat, the one question you should be asking is what comes with my calories? Because when you mentioned sugar in the context of fruit, that's incredible. And you don't crash. It doesn't spike your blood sugar right. the way the way that a, a Snicker bar would. Right. So even, even sugar, when you ask what comes with my calories, can be an extremely healthy energy source. It's the most efficient energy source, in fact. But when people think about carbs, they think about white sugar, white flour, and bread. Of course, that's junk food. But in the context of a banana, it's not junk food. It's got all the things that make it a heavy box food. Yeah, it learning about what's in food and how it your body reacts to it is such i think it's really fun and fascinating like you're saying with fruit for example it's uh usually pretty high in fiber and it's got a lot of water in it and so yeah and it's incredibly clean healthy. water like really clean water it's so that's good. right people people yeah. freak out about fruit like i consume a lot of fruit and and people are like oh my god the sugar and i go wait the sugar isn't the same as the white sugar that's in in a you know in a, in a Mounds bar, yeah. and and it, it just like ask what comes with that, and um, and really you know if you're interested in nutrition that's great, but the fact is is I think most people common sense can look at a banana and go okay well that's ob here's the approaching the natural thing like the closer your food gets to what's natural the healthier it is for you you don't have to overthink this stuff. That reminds me you were saying something about. Um uh, I think on your latest show where you were saying there's no like Twinkie Bush or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I say that all the time. That's how I point things out to my um, to my son and my family and my friends. I'm like, there's no there's no potato chip tree, you know? <laughs> exactly. You try to eat natural if you can. If you're and then they'll they'll see me eating something that's not really healthy and they're and they'll say, uh, how can you be eating that? And I said, because I'm starving. I'm freaking hungry. I'm not going to deprive right. myself. There's a point where you need to eat, and then if you don't eat, it's actually worse for you totally. to, to not eat. Yeah, um, and, and it's and it's a proportion of, of heavy box to light box foods that sets your level of health, whatever that proportion is. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't eat 100% heavy box, but I definitely eat mostly heavy box. Mm -hmm. So I think um, a, an interesting stance that you take is kind of the anti-guru, and the uh, I think I need to coin that phrase somehow. But uh, let's let's co-coin it. <laughs> we're the anti-gurus of nutrition <laughs> and sports. Yes. Um, and then what it is is trying to draw people back to a natural approach because the way people, the way things get sold to people, uh, one way is to confuse the hell out of them, and then uh, point at a million different uh, problems, and then now that they're confused, say, but if you take this one. Uh, if you follow my plan, join my cult or my my uh, system, then uh, then you'll be fine, you know. And it's usually something that uh, I like Matt Fitzgerald's book called Diet Cults, where oh, wow. he's like oh, it's that. really really good. And 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 um, he took the uh, so I guess sociological um, definition of a cult uh -huh. and. Uh, and started researching it versus different, like, um, really specific diet plans like Atkins and things like that. And, uh, and it lined up perfectly. The, the fact that you, you, uh, have to like 
stay so narrow focused on things and ignore completely other things. Um, and that if you eat one thing of the other, of the other kind, that it's a tragedy, you know? Um, and it's, it's a lot like how, uh, cults manifest themselves in society. And, um, and then they take advantage of, of pe- the leaders take advantage of people like come join our cult and you'll be safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. um, but, uh, so there's like these gurus. So what you're doing and what I try to do too, and, um, is this, uh, kind of an anti-guru mentality is admit that, you know, don't know everything. Um, but we do know that there's like the basics is you can always go back to the basics of like, like you're like you do with natural stuff and, um, and you'll be all right and don't get distracted by people trying to sell you a diet pill or a specific ingredient is going to fix all your problems because it's not that simple, right? No, it's definitely not that simple. And I mean, what you're talking about is so, I mean, I work at, at uh, you know, I, I head up a wellness center and, uh-huh. and, uh, and we get a lot of people coming through there and it's as part of a, an in the Stanford Inn and, and we get people coming through and I won't mention any names, but there's a, there's a guy kind of lo- within a couple hours of, of where we are and he's exactly that guy. And I see people come through there and they're just, it's like total fear-based um, and a fear-based existence. And that's why my approach is, is so much larger than food because when you make it just about food, these poor people are scared to death about, about like, like you said, having anything that's not on the list. Yeah. And, what, and what these guys are, are really good at is, is marketing and they're really good about taking people's money, but they're not really good about making people happy because yeah. what happens is when you're that stressed about food, that stress weakens your body. Stress of any kind weakens your body on a physical level with the immune system and your digestion and your blood pressure and your cholesterol. Those are the body's stress responses. That can occur by being stressed about the very healthy food you're eating. It's not like I even disagree with a lot of these guys' uh, approaches. They happen to be all men in, in, the, in what I'm seeing in this regard, but so it's not a, you know. Anyway, but yeah. I, their advice is sound nutritionally if you're only talking about nutrition. But the problem is these poor people live in the modern world and they're just scared to death. And then in reaction to that fear, they feel safety in going back to the retreats and going back to the classes and going back to the events and spending thousands of dollars on all these kinds of things. And it's just not a good, you know, you've got to come down to like, how do you want to live in the world? Do you want to have a happy experience in your life or a stressed experience in your life? And I see it so many times. It's just so I, I want. I don't want to be that for people. I want right. to be the opposite of that. I want to empower people. I don't want people to come to me because they're afraid of having something that's not on some random list that I gave them. Yeah, I keep now. Now that I've seen The Wolf of Wall Street, I keep seeing an example of what happens towards the beginning of the movie in like so many facets of life. Where have you seen that movie yet? The I, I haven't seen it. I want to though. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is explaining the Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo's new to uh, stock trading. And he said, listen, no one can predict if stocks are going to go up or down. It's impossible. Even the best guys have no idea. And um, that's not the point. We make money when we make a trade, right? And uh-huh, the, the, um, what you want is once you have somebody hooked in buying and selling stocks, thinking that they can predict what, if it's going to go up or not. Right. And then every time you keep them coming back, you want to keep them coming back. You want to keep them on that roller coaster. 
right? You don't care if the roller coaster goes up or down. You just want to keep bringing them back. Yeah. And keep them on that ride is the way he said it. You want to keep them yeah. on that ride. And because right. uh, every time, as long as they're on that ride, they're the, the guru, which is the stock, the stock trader, is yeah. uh, the, the broker, I guess, is making money off, off of the person that's confused and doesn't really know. And the, the guru is just like, just keep them coming back. <laughs> it's so it's so true. I mean, my my success as a health coach these days, and I, I I you can talk to any of my clients, and they'll tell you the same thing, which is that I try to empower them with the tools they need to continue, but they also have to understand it's a long term process. I work with people a minimum of a month, and usually that's a maximum too, because my goal right. and my success is that after a month, you never have to work with me ever again. You might have to at some point later. I've had clients go, "Should I?" So maybe we can continue another month, and I always go, "No, you got." to go out on your own, see how this plays for you. Maybe in six months, if you want a little refresher, that's fine. But it's never a continuous like I've been seeing my – I've talked to people like I've been seeing my naturopath for 10 years every two weeks. I'm like, do you think maybe they're not effective <laughs> if like you have to see somebody every naturopath. two – Right? It's like every two – and you're buying pills from them every yeah. month. You know, like I don't yeah. sell anything for that reason too. It's not financial. I'll be straight up with you. It's not – you know, I could be doing a lot better financially if I sold pills oh, and yeah. if, I sold, if I sold fear. Yeah. But, then, I, but then, it, then, I, then I'm – then my life isn't happy. You know, yeah, and it's so stressful from, to try to to constantly be wary of somebody busting you for and also just feeling yeah feeling crappy. Yeah. You know, like I want I want a happy life first and foremost. I want to live well also. So I'm just applying my own tools to myself. Yeah, and that's that's what I do with a lot of people of uh, training them in triathlon is I I try to train them to to know how to train. That's exactly it. Yeah, and then once you get it, then you're free to go. If you want me to, uh, some people are weird. You know, they want. You know, with with athletics, it's weird. Some people do better with a coach to um, to uh, to have to uh, reply to. You know, to uh-huh. keep them to keep them uh, training. Yeah, accountability you know? and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, the accountability—that's the word. And the yeah. accountability factor of having somebody else. You know, that they have that they have to. And it, and if they like that, then that's fine. But a lot of people, I I train how to train. And then, exactly. and I, and that's how I, I sell them on it. I'm like, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to coach you and teach and tell you what I'm doing while I do it so that you understand it as well. So you can graduate and go out in the world and teach other people how to do this stuff. Cause imagine if everybody was an endurance athlete, like how great would that be? And, and understood nutrition and, and health and fitness and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great, but yeah, it's, it's just, you're, you're empowering people and, and that's what I, yeah. I hope to do. It's not. It, it, it is hard to stay healthy in this modern world because we're uh-huh. tempted by all the things that are least healthy for us and they're the cheapest things too. And so you do have to pay attention. So I'm trying to teach people how to pay attention yeah, essentially. Certainly. Let's talk about your running. Your, uh, how long ago did you start uh, like an actual running for running's sake? I've been a runner for most, really most of my life. My dad was a runner and I just kind of grew up running. I never did it competitively at all. I mean, I ran a half marathon. The first one I ever did was like a 98, you know, like I, I just always been an, an enjoyable runner kind of thing. And, um, but then when I moved up here, I, I, especially when I became a nutritionist and started feeling really good. I mean, I gave up, I, I, I cured myself of asthma. That made a, a huge difference. I haven't had asthma in 20 years, but I had asthma all the way up until I was 24. And, um, and so, you know, that played into it. And now I, you know, I've done four halves and I, and I, like I did a couple marathons and it's just fun to kind of play 
with what I can do now and being in better shape at 45 than I was at 25. Yeah. Um, you know, in all, in all regards, I mean, I just feel better. I recover better. I'm, I'm just like, I feel good. And, and that's, I attribute that almost squarely to, to the food I'm putting in my body, but also just kind of how I approach life in general. So anyway, so now I've done two marathons and, um, I'm not like the fastest runner by any, not even close, but I finished both and now I'm kind of like, okay, well now what, you know, and, and this 50 came around and one of my podcast listeners is an ultra, ultra marathoner and, and I kind of threw it out there a little bit. She's like, you should totally do it. And so she emailed <laughs> me and she's like, I'll help you and I'll put you in touch with people who can help you and all this kind of stuff. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of taking it on to see how that goes. So which, which 50 is it? The American river 50 on April 1st in Sacramento. Is that uh? Is it a? I haven't heard of that one. Is it really it's, hilly? Uh, pretty hilly, and it's tr- it's almost entirely trail. Yeah, which I which I run mostly trails anyway, so I'm feeling good about that. What my what's interesting for me now? I've always had a problem with pacing, mm-hmm. and even though I've read the books like Hansen's training method and all these kinds of things, and they're always like you know the run slower in the beginning and kick in the second half, and I just have yet to kind of mentally get on top of that. So right now I'm training slow. I'm trying to slow myself down because I obviously with a 50, it's about pacing, you know, and, and so I want to, I'm really trying to keep myself, uh, in the zone two kind of realm. Yeah. For a fifth, I've done a bunch of those, the, the 50, that'll teach you to pace. <laughs> you're you're going to learn. <laughs> yeah, by the, exactly. by the end of this race, if you finish, you will have learned to pace. You'll learn your lesson. That's uh, right. It's self-inflicted coaching right there. The, yeah. um, the trick I've learned with that, especially trail running uh, on a 50, is uh, is walk every single uphill. That's what uh, I heard. Yeah, and then because uh, even the downhills will start to hurt. It hurts your quads after a while. Right. And then uh, jog the flats, and and any time where you feel like you're like ah, maybe I should walk, then walk. And you'll actually, it's weird. You'll be faster um, than doing a death march towards the end instead. Right. Yeah, and then a lot, man, it is something like that's going to take, uh, you know, anywhere between seven to twelve hours, depending on the terrain, that's and right. how fast you are. So the, um, so it all comes down to nutrition because you're out there for so long. So what are you, right. what are you training with, and what are you planning on on eating during the race, or have you got that right. figured out yet? Um, I haven't quite figured out the the in terms of the fifty. What uh-huh. what I do what I do now is. Um, if I'm running, I'm just ramping up my mileage again. But when I was training for my last marathon, I was, you know, I was doing like an 18 on the weekends and things like that. And I would, I would use like heed, you know, um, by hammer, whatever hammer nutrition, I would use that in a water bottle. I, am not, I'm, I, I try to train my body over time, which I've been pretty successful at to not, um, need a ton of, like, I don't really do gels anymore. Like I would bring a few dates with me and I felt really good about that. I've been following this guy, Timothy Olson. Do you know who that is? Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, And he's, he, he did that too. And, and I, and I've been like really inspired by teaching the body to be so efficient because the fact of the matter is when you, when you run, like if I run this morning, which I didn't, but if I did, if I did, um, I'd be basically using the calories that I consumed the day before, like around lunch or breakfast the day before, like it's not the night before, you know? And so I really want to kind of stick with some, some during the 50s, some gels, um, Obviously, because it's that many hours, I do need to really focus on calories. But I can go ten easy just on water, and, and I and I feel totally fine. Like it's no problem, and I'm not. I'm really not even that that much water. Did you read the book Waterlogged? Uh, no, but I know all about it. 
So what is your that's what is your nerves, what, right? Yeah, what is your feeling on on because this whole like way before, way after, try to calculate, and then I'm looking at like marathon times over the last forty years haven't. Um, no, you want to go by thirst, but also realize that thirst can trick you. So it's it's complicated, um, and you'll you'll learn. Um, kind of like we were talking about gurus, there's this problem in, in endurance sports where we have these wide extremes of nutrition right. and you have to find, don't believe it. You don't believe any of them until you try it yourself. And, Got it. um, Matt Fitzgerald, like I was talking about earlier, is like, oh, carbs, great, fine. You know, and, and, uh, lots of statistics to prove that, yeah, you know, the, uh, the more, you, uh, the more you eat, the more you're able to stomach, the faster you'll go and the better off you'll be. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's, um, uh, Ben Greenfield and other guys like that, that are like, Oh, uh, Sammy Inkinen that are like, no, you need, you need almost not, no sugar at all and learn to, um, to go on nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not nothing, but to go on less. Right. And then, um, then there's, uh, people who uh jesse kropelnicki who i like a lot also and all these people i like a lot so it's really confusing this is where you get distracted and you end up spending years of your life totally um going one direction than the other and never really nailing it down um and having bad results and wishing that you could just figure it out um jesse kropelnicki trains his athletes and they are very successful to power down as many calories as possible as possible in training um so that they can power because what ha- okay so this is one problem that you may run into uh, especially on warmer days the longer you go on f- the, and the more you train yourself to go on fewer calories um, you're actually training your stomach to not be able to consume calories under stress That's and right. when you need That's those right. calories you won't be able to eat them you you'll get sick and you won't be Got hungry it. and um so but then the the opposite side of that just sounds miserable, where they're forcing themselves to eat 800 calories per hour. Wow. See, that's a, yeah. see, to me, like the body's natural stress response is to slow down digestion. So it yeah. doesn't it doesn't make sense to me on a nutritional level to force calories down. To me, that adds digestive stress and devoted energy to digestion that could be used to function the body during the exercise. And so right. I'm looking to guys like Mike Arnstein, who are who are just doing fruit, yeah. you know, and killing hundred mile races. And I'm going, okay, well, is that because it's just so light on the body? Like it, the body doesn't take that much energy to digest. You've got all this like leftover it's energy. It's got a lot of water in it. That's good for you. For running. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so I'm going, you know, and guys like Scott Jurek and, and so there's just, it, it, like you said, I mean, you can, your head can literally spin. As a nutritionist, I want to eat enough calories. I know enough to know that if I'm training, doing 15s, it's a different ball game and I do need to consume calories because when I do the 50, I'm going to be out yeah. for so much longer. So I, I am assuming that I'm going to start having to do more, get, get to the regimen of, of a gel every half hour or whatever that is. For yeah. Me. And then what's even more maddening is they'll, you, you'll, they'll interview some, uh, big, big name pros that are really successful at this kind of stuff. And they're like, what do you eat? And they're like, Oh, I just grab whatever. Like, well, that's a, that, but see that's how Timothy Olson. He's like he'll go out for four hours in the mountains, and he'll be like, and and Rich yeah. Rich Roll interviewed him. He's like, I just he goes, what's in your water bottle? He goes, water, yeah. you know. And, he, and no. he goes, I'll bring it. I'll bring a gel, but sometimes I'll just do like half of the gel. Yeah, you know. And then you see these guys going out with like the gel belts, and they've got eight bottles and a backpack, you know. Right. And and, and no. they went for it. What I'm saying about whatever that's even worse than that is that no, there there's some people 
that are eating tons of food, right? Mm-hmm. Or or they don't even know how much they're eating. They're they're at, you'll you'll see it at an ultra marathon that the aid station tables, the ones I've been to, they've got M and M's and pretzels oh, yeah. and chili. Yeah. They got chili and they're <laughs> making coffee and they've got potatoes dipped in salt and right, right, um, right. banana chips. It's just like it's like you're at Luby's or something, you know, yeah. like a, yeah, yeah, at a cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and you're like and so this person gets top ten, you know, and they're like, "What did you eat?" And they're like, "Ah, I, I just go through the A station, grab whatever." <laughs> yeah, and and there's, and there's a couple things going on there. One is that it, it is race day, so yeah. you know, it's, so your body adjusts to what you do most of the time. That's yeah. a big message I always make. So race yeah. day, you could be eating that kind of crap. And secondly, they've probably dialed in their body's ability to handle that kind of yeah. stuff. You know, because they're in good enough shape that the stress associated with the race is is minimal for them compared to other runners, and they're able to process better. Yeah. So you know, you, it's a whole, it, that made me want to uh, point out something to you when you said that you were sp- don't. I wanted to suggest something. Don't spend yeah, too uh, much of your time going like super super easy, because one think about this. Another way to train is to get strong. Make sure you do lots of hill work and uh, squats or you know whatever you want to do. But mm-hmm. get strong and do speed work so that your easy pace um, is actually fast. You know what I mean? Like if you can if you can get your fast pace down to a six minute mile. Well, then your super, super easy pace is like an eight, let's say, for example, is an eight minute mile, right? Yeah. Because you can do a six sustained for like a long period of time. Then uh, then easy is eight. And then what that does is it that drops the stress on your body and then you right. can eat more and uh, or eat whatever you want. And then the, the the hydration and the heat and the hills and all that stuff doesn't seem to phase people as much. So so you you're a fa- see because I've I've been reading this book called Relentless Forward Progress. Have you read that? Uh, no, but let me write it. Down it's because it's an old it's an ultra, it's an ultra marathon uh-huh. you know kind of guidebook or whatever. Yeah. Um. But what but what's interesting is that there he he put in two essays, one that was pro speed work. Um, you know, this guy was like, look, it's great because I, I'm, I do intervals on you know, time to time, you know? And then another guy was like, no, absolutely not. Like always train slow, build up your endurance, recover faster so you can run the next, you know, run far the next day, back up your, your long runs together, that kind of thing. And so I'm totally confused about that too. So I'm, right. I, I am, I, I do appreciate your advice on that. Cause I was going to ask you, so you're, you think you're like doing interval work and I, I do runs sometimes where I'll do six miles and I'll do squats you know at every mile squats and push-ups so i'm sort of in that realm too oh yeah i used to do that all the time yeah and i really like that too but you but you're a fan of speed work well sort of i'm a i'm a fan of speed work on well strength work but through through using the device or the method that you're actually going to be racing so strength work not necessarily you don't have to do it in the gym to but uh but you could run up up a hill you know, yes, yeah, doing, people, I'm de- then you're yeah, working I'm, the mechanism that you're going to be using in the race and, um, and you're making yourself stronger at the same time. So it's like time efficient. So, so what I'm doing now is like, I'm doing, I, I run on trails, but some of them are on the beach. And so a, a fair amount of my run is like in super soft sand. Yeah. And so, and so that's for me how I'm getting that kind of like, and it's intense. Like my legs are sore. It uses every muscle in your leg to, to push off soft sand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you want to get sore on occasion because then you'll be stronger. Uh-huh. Uh, after you, and then you go easy, um, to kind of recover from that. And Got it. then, um, the best result I ever had in a 50 mile run, uh, was where I spent a lot of time, uh, doing hill work and strength work in the gym. And okay. then that 50 miler seemed so easy because what happens is, 
because there's hills in these trail races, um, it's the hills that do you in after yeah. a while. And if there were no hills, then probably the endurance one would be just fine. Just the easy, lots of easy would yes. be just fine. But the problem is, is when you go up um, on a bicycle or on a hill or, or like say you're swimming and you want to pass somebody like these bursts of speed, right. they tap your, your muscles so much that if, unless they're toughened up then, and used to that lactic burn on occasion, then uh, you're going to fade like really, really badly. So what I noticed was, because I did, I did the 50, the same, the same 50, they had it, it was a different race company, but they had the same race on the same, they had 50 miles again on the same course. Okay. Uh, maybe three months apart, right? Maybe four months apart. And so I kind of did them back to back, but with different training methods. And I did the, uh, the strength one second. And the, um, what I noticed was I was able to jog easily because you want to jog really easy on these things. Jog easily way further up a hill um, before my legs would start to get tired. Okay. Um, and then that adds up over time, you know, like right. the next hill and the next hill and the next hill. And it took like 40 miles in for my legs to start getting tired running up a hill because I'd made wow. them stronger wow. with focused work. And if I had just done slow and easy, well, my legs wouldn't be that strong and, uh, my legs would get tired going up a hill sooner. And then you're walking now, next thing you know, you're walking. Got it. Um, and then that slows you down. Yeah. What was your best, what was your best 50 time? It was like nine hours. God, that's great. Uh, oh yeah, that was actually a pretty good one. <laughs> my worst 50 was like 13 hours or something like that. And I thought I was yeah. dying. Yeah. I mean, I just, wanna, I just want to finish. I mean, my goal for the first 50 is just cause I've never done it. Is I just want to finish, yeah. you know, and They're I'm going to bring, I'm gonna bring so some, yeah, I'm going to bring some gels, but I, I, at the same time, like I'm, I'm, I'm sure at 40, if there's a bowl of potato chips, I may, I may just out of hallucination, just be like, that's what I need. Yeah, <laughs> you <yeah>. know, look, <laughs> so. look to, um, uh, pay really close attention to how far apart the aid stations are. And okay. then, um, when it when is the race? Is it in the summer or, or April? Fall? It's April first, so oh, it's April not 1st? super hot yet. Yeah. Okay, so like even this one I do here in Texas is in January, and it's typically kind of cool. Um, but some of the aid stations are four to six miles apart. Okay. And you're now you're going you're you're thirty something miles in, so you know, and then or forty miles in, you got to run six miles with no water. Um, <laughs> so you ought to. Um, that, I, I found that that to be that to be really important, like a method to carry water between aid stations. Well, I was told um, by somebody, maybe my, my new friend in Texas, um, she said to bring two bottles just to just to get used to build, having two water bottles, like one on each hand. So I've been training with holding two water bottles, even yeah, you if can I don't do that. really. Yeah. yeah. And did you bring a backpack too? I've done that, um, and if it's colder, then you can throw. REI makes a little backpack for running. A lot of companies do. Well, I have I have one. I just didn't yeah. know if you would recommend it. Like I was going to bring like my buddy. Do you know who Matt Frazier is? The, he's the no meat athlete. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. So he's he's a buddy of mine, and he he said like his big mistake for the hundred he did was like not having extra socks because oh, he got yeah. wet, and then he was like screwed because he had blisters yeah. everywhere and horrible. Yeah. So I you know I got to probably bring that. So I run with a um a uh, an amphipod belt, and it has clip on bottles that are ten and a half ounces each. Nice, and then. Um, in that I'll carry water and then if you don't need water, you just don't put water in them. And then if mm -hmm. you do need water, you put water in them. You just, you just I walk through an aid station with the lids off and pour water in if you need it. And, and then you keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. um, and then a lot of times I do run with a, 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 another bottle in my hand 
and that'll be like my fuel for for a while or something like that or just whatever i right. want yeah yeah that works okay. really good so all right why well, might well go ahead oh no i was gonna say maybe you could if you could email me a link to that belt oh i'll totally do that i'd love to do yeah, that I'd, I'd like to see what that looks like yeah it works great um okay. and then uh i wanted to ask you about your cowboy hat <laughs> oh i knew that was coming you got a signature look and it's this you're you're super healthy so you're nice and lean and then you got this giant satellite dish cowboy hat on which i like i'm from i'm from texas you know so i get yeah. to say that a, a guy just walked across the parking lot i'm in wearing one so nice. um we nice. actually on rare occasion i see somebody wearing spurs actually in the town i live in for real <laughs> wow yeah. and uh so um when you, I've done an Ironman marathon wearing a big boonie hat to keep the sun off me. What what do you wear for headgear when you're out running? So I don't, and I and that's the other thing is I need to start training with it because I it kind of annoys me to have any sort of hats on except for my cowboy hat on. So uh-huh. I I know that for a fifty I'm gonna I'm bald, you know, so I yeah. want to make sure I'm covered. So I'm gonna look into some sort of hat, whatever. And do you have a do you have a Zen triathlon hat that that I'll wear? <laughs> And I'll promote you. Um, I'll try to find. I'll find. Make you. a hat. Make a hat, and I'll wear your hat. You know the um, that'd be funny. The uh, uh, oh wait, I lost my train of thought. You had me laughing so good. The the thing I've learned about oh the thing I like about trail running is a lot of times it's under tree cover. So yeah. You can trail run in uh, in East Texas where it's all these pine trees. Uh huh. You can go running on trails all day long and never pick up a sunburn. It's fantastic. Right, yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm on Northern California coast, so a lot of times it's foggy. You know, a lot of my long runs are in the morning. I leave it. You know, I'll leave, I'll get up early so I can maximize my time with the family. You know, so I'll get get out there by seven, and I'm done by nine or nine thirty. And and so you know, I'm not I'm not in like full sun at that time. But you know, fifty is a different ballgame. So. Yeah, it is. Okay, so I got a note here. Get get said a Zentri hat and a link to the Amphipod belt. Yeah, and also bald guys don't look good in hat. I mean, I look. I think I like my cowboy hat, but uh-huh. you know, people might disagree with me. But but we don't look good in, in baseball hats. So that's that's the other trouble I have to. Yeah. It's, a, it's an aesthetic thing. No, the the way to go is a visor and the. Uh, but that's gonna leave my that's gonna leave my head bald. <laughs> you see oh. what I'm saying? So you do a handkerchief over your head and then the visor on top of that. Wow. And then when you do that, the handkerchief kind of sticks, pokes out to the side and covers your ears. And it looks really awesome. And then, and then while you're running, you're doing, you're getting hot, right? So while you're yeah. running, you dribble water with the water bottle that you're ha- holding on your, in your hand or on your amphipod belt. You dribble it on top of your head just every once in a while. And the cotton in the uh, bandana picks it up and cools you off. God, see, this is awesome. You got to send me an invoice because I just got trained. I just got trained. <laughs> I just got trained. <laughs> and it, okay, so um, oh wait, where'd my notes go? I had notes on another sheet. And let's see, your blog is yep. uh, uh, approaching the natural slash blog. Uh, my, my 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 writing blog is just at my SidGarzaHillman dot com website, but my podcast is the Approaching the Natural podcast. Okay, and then let's see, we talked about how you fuel. Oh, so how are you? What are you eating now on your runs? Oh, you said you're just doing pretty much water and whatever. I'm pretty much doing water and I'll do, you know, sometimes I'll throw a little like half coconut water, half water in there. Uh-huh. But again, like, but again, like the race isn't until April. My, my last marathon was May 4th. I'm just now ramping up my, my, uh, my mileage. So I'm like literally at like 30 miles a week. I'm not doing like anything major at this point. And so as I progress, I'm going to yeah. be doing, I'll do probably dates again. I'll do the heed, um, the heed, uh, you know, mix, drink, sport, drink, mix. 
And otherwise, uh, Brendan Brazier had some gels that I that that I thought were pretty good. I'm, I'm just wary of like a lot of artificial crap, and his and his yeah. gels comparatively were pretty pretty good ingredient wise. And so again, I'm always mindful of the quality of the calories I'm putting in my body. So I'll probably move to that kind of thing. And then I think during during the uh, 50, I might even do like sweet potatoes and 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 that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've I've noticed. Uh, well, one thing I like is because uh, I have allergies to uh, I have like hay fever kind of stuff. And uh-huh. uh, but uh, Texas local honey with a little bit of water oh, yeah. works so well for shorter workouts. But then after a yeah, while, yeah. that straight sugar will um, start to hurt your stomach. Yes, yeah, it's a little, it's a little thin. And then I was thinking like also the chia seed, like the uh-huh. ischiate thing. I've done that before too, and I was thinking for the fifty that might work well. And then um, uh, my secret ingredient lately is banana chips because oh, yeah. they're cooked in coconut oil. And nice. Zach Bitter, who's kind of a lower fuel kind of guy, um, set the national record for like 100 miles um, just eating banana chips. And I tried it on a long bike workout, and they were amazing. I'm going to check that out then because I, I yeah. love the way they taste too. Yeah, because it's coconut oil. There's a little bit of sugar sprinkled on them to sweeten them for some reason. And then sure. uh, if you just and he said they're available everywhere. You can go to any grocery yeah. store and find them. And they and then you have the starch in the banana and the natural sugar in the banana and it's, yeah. it's wonderful. Um, I think they're like about thirty or forty percent uh, calories from fat. Um, so that's something to look at. So I did a mix of. I didn't want to go out on some new workout or some w- long workout with something totally new. So I did a mix of banana chips and and uh, EFS, which is just like a powdered, you know, fuel thing. Right. And right. I had the best bike workout I think I've ever had in my life. As far no as no way. I th- well, I think my body was able to absorb those calories from that coconut oil, you know, because it goes straight to your liver. Liver, then, yeah, exactly. And then right into your bloodstream, and I was able to just put out a huge amount of horsepower. And I was like, "Where's all this nice. coming from?" Like, yeah, Brendan Brazier's he's got coconut oil in his gel. Oh, he does? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's part it's like it's like dates and coconut oil. Yeah. And it worked and it worked pretty well. Yeah. I think there's something to that. I'm I'm I might try to do like a little squeeze bottle of coconut uh cream or coconut butter or coconut oil. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. just like you do like sugary stuff and then some of that. And then sugary stuff yeah, yeah. and then some of that. And kind of see how that goes. Just to I'd like to know. Yeah. Well, cool, okay. man. Well, hey, I gotta run. And you might have to too. <laughs> yeah, I got. How many uh, miles a week are you hitting right now? Right now, thirty. I mean, I'll get up to fifty oh, to six, yeah. fifty to sixty in the next, you know, two months. I'm not yeah. too. I'm still early in the game, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I always tell people is, is um, there's not much value in a long workout as far as improving you. Like, say you're going to go out for a three hour run. I mean, that pretty much wrecks you. Yeah. And um, but it the value in the longer stuff is training yourself on pacing and nutrition. So that's what I use. That's what I use it for. Yeah. And also I'll, I'll start doing some back to back long runs, like yeah. not three hours, but I'll do like a two hour run on Saturday and another two hour run Sunday yeah. just to kind of get used to taking it's, it easy. And, it's mental training to kind of get used to the, um, imaginary shit you're going to see out there. <laughs> the, <laughs> exactly. The monkeys with, with swords that come yeah. out of the trees and stuff. Wait, yeah. those aren't, those aren't real. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's pretty, it's the, Ultra running is the best bang for your buck as far as testing yourself. It, it's so incredible how cheap it is and the the amusement per mile of how hard you can push yourself. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. what I'm And you don't even have to – the point is once you get kind of deep into an ultra run, you're not even 
pushing yourself. It just hurts so bad to do anything. You know, you're not doing anything monumental anymore. You're only doing like a 15 or 18 minute mile, you know, and then you're like, God, this is so challenging. And uh, you really find out who you are at the opposite end of that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I know it's the first one's always the hardest. So I'll see how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Well, it's been great having you on, man. Uh, It's been great being on. I I love what you do and and, uh, keep doing it. Thanks for thanks for inviting me on. Oh, cool. I'll be in touch. Okay, that sounds great. All right, later. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye. All right, we're back. So how'd you like that interview with Sid? It was pretty in-depth, huh? Phenomenal. I didn't hear it. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) I got nothing. (laughs) Starkey, Starkey, the real Starkey. Did everybody call you Starkey? Is that that wrong? People call me my name, but... Yeah. on emails, it varies from "Dear Mister the Real Starkey" to "Dear Mister Starkey," or it's always "Dear" though. Yeah, show of respect. Show of respect. Have you ever gotten an email from Andrew? Uh, or do we need not need to talk about that? I got a uh, direct message <laughs> a, via Twitter. Not a court order. Uh, direct message via Twitter. Yeah, he asked me. Don't you have a job? <laughs> you said, now this is my new job now. <laughs> no, this this takes barely any time for me. If people had any idea how easy this is for me, how little time it takes, you'd be astonished. Yeah. Well, it's the skills you got. Being an asshole comes very naturally. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's just born into some people. That's it's true. A, yeah. That's true. All right. We're going to talk about some news. Well, thank you very much, Sid. And... Um, I've actually I sent him an email earlier today with uh, uh, the Amphipod running belt that I suggested that he use, like a link to that, and then um, Sweatvac makes a visor that's actually adjustable. So I have this giant melon of a head, and anytime I get a a, a running visor, the 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 um, the ones that are uh, stretchy. They um, actually hurt my head for a while until I actually break them in. They give me a headache. The head sweats ones? Yeah. So Sweatvac has one that you can order that has an adjustable piece on it. So I sent him that one. And uh, I told him he's this uh, Sid is bald. And uh, he said he can't wear a visor because, you know, he'll burn the top of his head. Mm. So I told him to, to uh, put a bandana over his head and then the visor on it looked totally normal. That's a good look. <laughs> Great, great advice, Brett. Great advice. We'll see how, if he actually does it. I've done it, but I don't know if I'd really do it on purpose. So, what's some of the craziest things you've ever seen out on the on the race course? Uh, chocolate milk kit was the worst thing I ever saw in my life. Yeah, someone actually wore it. Is it brown? It was terrible. I mean, like you've totally bought in to the to the machine if you're wearing a chocolate milk kit. It's like I've sold my soul, and I drink chocolate milk. Yes, <clears throat> yes. What did you say? Honestly, did you say anything? Is this is this a PG show? <laughs> okay, uh, earmuffs, kids. To be perfectly frank, I'm just making this up. People with me can attest to it, but uh, I had had a few pops during Ironman Texas when we were spectating, uh-huh. and uh, when a couple guys came through in their chocolate milk uh, uniforms, I did with the megaphone shout. Fuck you, chocolate milk. <laughs> okay. Probably not the encouragement they needed at that time in the race, but... Uh, what about all the people uh, that wear um, 
the beef kits. Have you seen those? Have you seen this? This uh, yeah, but this is Texas. Yeah, it's just weird. I mean, it's not an endurance fuel whatsoever. You know, it's just pure marketing. I refuse to comment on nutrition, Brett. My podcast will have a few rules, and one of them is no discussion of nutrition, no discussion of training methods. Those are the only two rules for now. But there's, I yeah, go ahead. Well, I suggest that every time somebody tries to, you actually have parts of your show where people try to bring it up and you slam them down and say no we're not tolerating that on this show <laughs> okay we're gonna talk about um mantra blanc. is that how you say it i don't even know how to say it correctly sure up in uh, french canada and the atrocious live at it seemed like everybody logged on to the internet to watch the live coverage of this thing. I thought and then there was none. I thought everybody logged in specifically to bitch about the lack of coverage. <laughs> They're hoping that there wasn't any. Yeah. Um, Chrissy Wellington, I saw, tweeted about it. Yeah. Um, Jody Swallow, uh, gosh, quite a bit after the race, Jody Swallow um, posted that her, a misprint that. Somebody said that it was her and her fiance kissing at the finish line, which implied that uh, she and James Mama had uh, gotten engaged, mm-hmm. and her parents were wondering. Mm. And Jody said um, something along the lines of "No," and if there was better coverage, this is this is the only coverage that they got. And it was just crap, anyway. Mm. And I know that Jody has like really high standards in races that she enters. Mm-hmm. And to go to a world's and for it not to have video coverage has got to really piss her off. Well, you're digging, you're digging through your phone to find something. You got something good there. What is that? Some of the best tweets from that day. Oh, you saved them. <laughs> It'll take me a while to pull. Okay, up, but... I'll talk while you do that. All right. So the big thing was this is world championships for the half Ironman distance, which Ironman is really trying to promote. You know, they renamed it from half Ironmans. Because it doesn't sound like you're doing, you're only doing half of a real thing. To seventy point threes, are those are those tweets gone? It's not showing up. Oh, there it is. Um, you know, with today's technology, the the lack of live video coverage of a world championship event seems to be How much pretty is ridiculous. How much is a GoPro? Three hundred dollars. And they're also a sponsor of Iron Man's. And you can buy a drone for three hundred dollars, right? Yeah. So how much? How much is streaming video? What do you think that costs? I have no idea. Here's here's the deal. I have a conspiracy theory about this. I do too. I wrote about this, and I, I I actually think there's something to this. Right now, Ironman is a participation sport. Okay, oh, they make oh, their money yeah. from age groupers running races and buying merchandise, etc. Okay, it's not a spectator sport. So, therefore, with a spectator sport like football, baseball, basketball. The players have juice. They get a decent cut of the revenue pie mm-hmm. um, because they're important. They matter. They're celebrities. And uh, when you've got fame, power, you've got juice, you can negotiate. Juice. I feel that this wasn't just, uh, we didn't get around to broadcasting. I think it's a deliberate blackout. Right. I think that they don't want uh, people to be enamored with particular athletes. I don't think they want 
uh, to make it a spectator sport. Once it becomes a spectator sport, you get into this realm of uh, you know players, athletes becoming too important, and then you have to pay them. Unions but, too. That too, yeah. per- perhaps. But I think it's a deliberate blackout. I mean, I, I really think that you might as well just put a dome over Montreblanc. Uh, like that dumb TV show, and just block everything out. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's completely ridiculous. I mean, years ago... There was a thought dome over the race. Right. Was it Las Vegas a couple of years ago? They had tremendous live coverage, except for, you know, you got to listen to Matt Lieto. But otherwise, it was really good coverage. Um, you at least had some idea of what was happening. and It's getting worse now. Either that or somebody else theorized that... Uh, Whatever minimal cost would be associated with doing a live stream, they're getting ready to sell. If you were getting ready to sell, you would try to trim every cost you could because you're about to flip the company to somebody else. Right. I don't necessarily buy that because they just essentially refinanced, but interesting theories. Yeah, I, I agree I, that they're trying to keep the pros watered down. You just took a drink of that and made a face. <laughs> That was hard. That was hard it right there. So much sugar in it. It's ungodly. I just caught double diabetes drinking half of mine. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Any pork rinds <laughs> to uh, even this out? That, would that help? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you keep the pros weak, right? And you it that way they keep the sport the way that they're familiar with. You know, it because I'm thinking. It's not necessarily better or worse having the pros be um, more famous or more power. It's just different. And they just don't want to go that way. It's risk. Yeah. Iron Man just doesn't care about the athletes or the customers, quite frankly. (laughs) They don't care if uh, they provide a good fan experience to us because uh, they don't have to care. Every idiot who wants to do a long-term a long distance triathlon is going to sign up for an Ironman branded event right now, no matter what, because you have to have that brand. It's Mm -hmm. ego water cooler marketing really. So unfortunately we've enabled Ironman, the brand to behave however they want uh, because you know, they'll sell out every event regardless and they can treat the customer and the athlete however they feel like it. So the fault of this coverage is I don't blame Ironman. I blame People that register for Ironman events. That's why we had shitty coverage. It's your fault. We've enabled this brand to uh, treat us badly. We're like Ray Rice's wife. All of us are like (laughs) Ray Rice's wife. We feel we deserve this. And we're content to just, uh, you know, be treated this way. Yeah. That's a statement. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the co-host goes, that's a statement. Is this shaping up the way you thought it would, uh, Brett? Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Now let's talk about the competition. Challenge and Rev3. Now this yeah. might shake things up a little bit. So Challenge bought, or, or Rev3 sold out, their uh, North American, well, all their races in North America, mm-hmm. to Challenge and... I'm looking forward to a there's there's neither a Rev3 or a Challenge race race in Texas. And I would easily sign up for one of those. My goals over the years have changed from qualifying for whole, uh Ironman Worlds to actually more of a time-based. Like I would like to do a sub 10 mm-hmm. Ironman, right? Because in the Ironman or in the Ironman world, 
qualifying for worlds is so hard now. It's gotten to be just insane. That and it's a lot of luck. Actually, you could you could train a year and you could have a flat tire and then miss it. Mm-hmm. So actually just doing any branded uh, ultra-distance triathlon and then going for a good time is a better indicator of how good you've gotten at it. Right. So the brand doesn't really matter so much anymore. But So Challenge is putting on um, – Challenge is very much coverage-based and prize-based for pros. They pay thin deep? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm excited about this. I hope that, I, I hope that it works um, – I hope people actually choose those events. I think sometimes what causes people to shy away from a non-Ironman event is that they think, I don't want to race with just 300 people. You know, more people racing means more fans, means more excitement, means more cheering. I get all that. So I hope that people will start to choose these events. Um, I feel like there's enough discontent about Ironman, the brand, that those have already done that and check that Iron Man box. I hope that they'll start to say, gosh, you know, I want to see if this uh, experience with Challenge is better. I've not done it, either a Challenger or a Rev3, have you? No, I haven't. Uh, there, aren't, there aren't any around here. If you look at the map, I mean, the East Coast, up and down the United States East Coast, is going to be chock full of Challenge events. So yeah. they're going to have a great experience. You've got Penticton in Canada, and what do they have? Uh, they've got... Uh, one near Sacramento, I think, but the East Coast of the United States is now very challenge heavy. So it'll be very interesting to see. I hope it works. I hope it works. It's great to have competition. It's good to have an alternative. I think. I like. I've done plenty of sprint and Olympic distance triathlons that are, um, you know, whatever brand, lots of different brands, and one offs. And I've done a half Ironman. I did it two or three years in a row. That was out in Bernie, Texas, which was brutal. And it was, I think it's called the Tall Texan or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's a half, yeah, it's a half. And that thing was insane. It's the hardest race I've ever done for a half. And um, and I kind of I kind of like races that aren't too crowded. I like there to be some people, you know, so you don't feel like an idiot, <laughs> the only idiot. And then, um, but not so many people that there's people in your way constantly. You know, like you're trying to get to an aid station and it's five deep of people in front of you mm-hmm. that you you can't, and all the water's gone or something like that. Right. You know, so there's like a sweet spot, like in between of like the right amount of people for something like this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I guess we'll see what happens, huh? It's exciting. Competition is good. Yeah. So what are you thinking about uh, with your podcast? Like, uh. You got any guests lined up yet? Um, I've got guests lined up for Kona week. So, uh, are you going to go to Kona? I'm going to Kona. Yeah. So, and Hube, the British wetsuit company. Yeah, is that how you say it? Hube. Hube. Huh. I thought it was like Hube. Yeah, Hube. So they're uh, flying us out there. Me and my boy Dark Mark. Yeah. And uh, they <clears throat> they stroked a nice check, and we're very excited. And we've got some. Very, very good guess. Are you going to get out on the Queen K and interview people in Hube wetsuits? Will I be wearing a Hube wetsuit? Yeah, like while you're interviewing people. Uh, it's not wetsuit legal out there, Brett. It's <laughs> too warm. It's too warm. <laughs> too warm. But no, I'm very pumped up about it, and I guess I wanted to be able to 
in addition to the videos we're going to do, yeah. they're bringing two cameras and a lot of mics, and they've got some good production, et cetera. So right. I really just need to show up and talk to people. Yeah. And uh, But in case we get people that don't want to be on video, I thought it would be good to figure out at least how to record a podcast and upload it. Yeah, because with this, you can uh, record interviews on the, like, like I was saying earlier, uh, before we record the show, like you, if you bump into somebody you want to talk to at a coffee shop, you know, mm-hmm. um, out on the, they're walking up to their hotel room, you know, they're in the lobby. You say, Hey, Hey, can I interview you about the race? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so convenient. You catch, catch people off guard and right. see what they really think. Right. Yeah. Right. So we're looking forward to it. Uh, one time I recorded the um, the pro uh, what, before a race they do the the pro talk where they they lecture the pros on what to do during mm-hmm. the race and uh, that was really cool they didn't there was no requirement to get in so I just went and sat in the front row and recorded the whole thing what they told the pros oh yeah I made a podcast out of that well, I don't think I'll be getting a press pass from Iron Man <laughs> <laughs> they probably have your photo or, or something and then say not this guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> they're very aware of everything of everything we're doing. Believe me. I wonder if I'm in trouble just talking to you. You think I am? Maybe I am. Am I on a blacklist? If Steve Johnston emails you in the next week, you'll know that yeah. they're paying attention. Does he work for them? He's their lawyer. No. <laughs> <laughs> am I treading on dangerous ground right now? Uh, no, I don't think I don't think so, Brett. I think you're fine. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Most dangerous podcast ever. Okay, let's read through some uh, questions and uh, and uh, donations. So you can donate to the show by going to the left side of zentrathlon.com, and there's links to donate once or multiple times. And either way, you definitely have earned the right to send a training question or whatever you want. Send it to me. And, oh, yeah, I'm going to mention that. That's why I put that note right there. <laughs> Starkey's pointing at things. And uh, um, we'll, uh, we'll mention your question on the show and your donation, and then it's a really cool way to, uh, to uh, give back to miles. you. Line my, yeah, my, my, uh, we're actually on the fourth floor of my estate <laughs> in my gold-encrusted uh <laughs> Training room. What do you think of it all, man? Drinking out of the chalices? It's funny. This is, uh, you know, listen, I see people with these pain caves yeah. that they post on Slow Twitch. They're kind of bragging about their awesome basement. But this is a pain cave, Brett. This is painful to even look at. I think <laughs> it's pain for you. <laughs> people, people really need to donate, okay? This is decrepit uh, paint coming off the wall. I mean, this treadmill looks like it's literally 17 years old. It looks like it might disintegrate. Look at all the stains on the floor from me trying potato starch in my fuel. Like potato that. Potato starch. Yeah. Oh, you're crazy. Yeah, I'm a hamster for you people out there. <laughs> a guinea pig. All right. Um, let's ready. Let's let's do it. We're ready. Okay. Henry Blust ordered some Hornet juice, I think. But he said, um, "Awesome. Looking forward to trying the Hornet juice." Yeah. He ordered it, and if you order Hornet juice, I actually email you back and say, "Hey, how's it going? Where you are?" And he's doing the uh, Patriots Half Triathlon in Jamestown, Virginia on the 6th of September. I guess that already happened, huh? Great job, Henry. (laughs) Henry, great job. Excellent. Good job. (laughs) 
spent a lot of time listening to Zentri while running and biking. Good for you. Uh, thanks for doing the Zentri podcast during times of self-doubt, whether I could do this or had enough time to do this. You were there with some new training tip to try or time management technique that got me through. Though I'm not happy with my time. Good, good. Don't be happy, man. Keep trying. Go faster. On the run, I had a blast and took first place in the Masters. And they put in parentheses old. Clydesdale and the parentheses fat guy category. Keep up the awesomeness a couple of days after the race. And I've already gone for a couple of recovery rides and a run. Maybe a full is in my future. Yeah, dude. Of course you can. Everybody can do a full. You've done a full. Right? No comment. No comment. Are we not allowed to say things like that? Well, people might start to go to Athlinks and try to figure out. Try to figure that out. Um, One of my haters. One of my my many. Brett, let's just be honest. I have a lot of people that like me, but I would say at least 40% of the people that follow me hate Uh, my guts. Yeah. You're trying to ruin the sport somehow. Well, like who, how? Who told you? When they say this, what, what are they? How are you trying to ruin this? No, sport? I think they just think I'm an asshole, which, oh. which is fair. But one of my haters. Well, that's your right to be an asshole. I think misidentified me as, but they have continually chirping about a DNF at Ironman in Louisville. Yeah. Which I've never DNF'd Ironman in Louisville. Yeah. So I think they've misidentified me. So I don't want to say. Oh, did you hear about the guy in the well in the news? The guy that invented Bitcoin or something like that, and they misidentified him. And there's this uh, old Asian guy that's a retired mathematics professor or something like that in California that uh, they keep trying to point out as him. And they're making his life miserable by saying it's him. Hmm. All right. You ready? We're going to do, do a guy from the UK. Okay. All right. Okay. UK? He's a huge star. <laughs> Yeah, you better wear a huge wetsuit. Oh, this is a long one. You ready for this? Oh, God. Dude, you better get another drink. All right. Thanks, Brett. Uh, things are great. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm in my third season of triathlon since retiring from... I'm going to read it really fast. From retiring from rugby through injury, I can't play any contact sport anymore. I used to also play lacrosse. Dude, rugby's pretty badass stuff. I have a lot of respect for those guys. Sorry. I have respect for anybody that plays real sports. <laughs> have mainly been doing sprint distance with a couple of Olympic distance. As an ex-rugby player, I'm not really built for endurance, more for power, so slowly making the transition and planning on doing a 70.3 next year and then a full iron distance the next five years purely to get the MTAT. Oh, oh. oh no. What do you got to say about that? I forgot about that. That's in here. Should he, where should he get it? I don't On his know. neck? Listen, these are my donors, by the way. You got to be kind of nice. All right, but I don't understand this. Think about there's a, one guy at least I saw that had a Rev Three tattoo. Oh, cool! I kind of like that. So he got a branded triathlon yeah, yeah, tattoo. Yeah, that's gone. That's fine. Doesn't exist. It's like anymore. getting Sony tattooed it on. Doesn't you. exist anymore. Yeah. I just, I mean, this is regardless. I think put 140.6. If you want to tattoo something, I don't have any tattoos. Yeah. I never liked anything more than five minutes, so I don't. Yeah. You know better. The idea of getting something on your body yeah. that you're going to like for the rest of your life, I don't understand. But My uh, body's bad enough as it is. Right. I don't need stuff getting looking worse. Yeah. I don't know, though. I mean, this is a... You might as well get Providence Equity Fund 8 <laughs> tattooed <laughs> on your leg. Yes. 
mean, and then the current loan status. It's a it's a how company. many millions that they could take a loan out with two million or something? No, I don't. I don't know anything about the financials, Brett. But uh, okay, don't get a company tattooed to yourself. I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna keep yeah. it real. No companies tattooed to yourself. All right, I'm fine with it because it's American. And we want American shit tattooed on your British ass. Oh, <laughs> Wait, where did he say he was from? I thought he said the UK. Is he British? Britain. There's, I see the word Britain scattered in here, so we'll go with that. All right, uh, you're, uh, but family makes that tough having a three years, three years old and a four-month-old, both girls. Oh, no. Your insights into being a triathlete and family man have been very helpful, and I've tried to transfer some of that in my own life and even take on board some of your Zen beliefs slash teachings. Oh, by the way, next episode, I'm going to interview an actual real Zen guy. Do you actually sit what? in Zazen, Brett? I've tried it. So that's no. When's the last time? <laughs> but I've tried it. Do you practice any Buddhism whatsoever? Um, or do you like the idea? In, in the very non-religious way. Well, I don't think of Buddhism as really religious, but... Right. Some people do. They turn it into a religion. Yeah. So sometimes... What I do, um, at least once a day, but not on not like on purpose. I got to do this once a day. But what I find myself doing once a day that I've learned from studying Zen stuff mm-hmm. is try to get to a quiet place and not think about anything. And then the things that come to mind, I write them down because those are things that are bothering you. Mm. And then those are the things I got to work on today. Mm. And that's what you can kind of boils in down to in a way is to get quiet. And listen to what... Oh, and also being really mindful. So if you... Um, while doing things, pay attention to how they make you feel and what they make you think about. And really pay attention to that. Like kind of get outside of yourself and kind of watch yourself doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And then work on those things that you're like, I don't like doing this. This sucks, right? Then you go, man, I, I should change that. If I want to be happier, change that. Mm-hmm. And not believe in your thoughts is another one. Mm-hmm. I think that you should sit in an uncomfortable position for I the do next that. 10 That's minutes. a bicycle ride. And then when I see you starting to get restless, I will hit you with a large stick as hard as I can. Yeah. With, like uh, That's that, not Soto Zen. It's the other one. They shout at their disciples. You get hit with a stick, brother. Yeah. Yeah, they do that too. I've gone to a Zen thing hmm. at the Zen Austin Zen Center. Hmm. Yeah, they made us walk around and pick up pick up weeds, and I'm like, I can do this at my own house. Hmm. I'm, I'm actually, I don't do this at my own house, okay. so <laughs> I can transfer my laziness from town to town pretty easily. All right, listen, this is not about us right now. Sorry, dude. this is this is about the guy that's going to get American tattoo on his on his body. The guy that will never donate to you. Ever. Listen, listen, Alice, Alistar, you need to get the Iron Man tattoo over an American flag. With a symbol of Wall Street on it. But they're not on Wall Street. Remember that show where I said that they all the crap that we got? Is it able? Is this guy able to stop payment on his donation? <laughs> he, he definitely will. Wait, I'm watching my PayPal. The money's disappearing as we're recording. Okay. Um, we have a number of excellent local triathlons in the Midlands area of England that are beautiful. I recently made the decision. It's not progressing very well. In my first season, getting close to the hour mark for pool-based triathlons. I would chill out a little, enjoy the racing, so therefore only enter tries and that have uh, scenic courses, not out and backs along a straight, boring road, which is also fueling my desire to one day compete in the Norseman. Now, that's a race, man. Mm. 
and achieve the black t-shirt. I saw a guy at the SOS that was wearing a Norseman t-shirt and I grabbed Emily and I go, look, that's a guy that did the Norseman. She's like, what's that? And I'm like, that dude is badass. I'm a geography teacher in a private school just outside of Buckingham and Bucking, Buckingham. The palace? <laughs> yes, the palace. He teaches those, those guards that wear the bearskin furry hats. He teaches them to not laugh. And the country is very rural and leafy. I actually live about 20 miles away and commute in to work from Northamptonshire, uh, the rugby team. Uh, very rural area. Okay, let's see. Uh, club sessions, aqua aerobics, one-hour fitness sessions. We don't have time to fit into. I don't know if you've heard, but in Britain, here's, what, here's where we get serious. We were about to have a very important political vote. Scotland wants to be independent and is going to the polls next week. I am a Scot living in England. But because of that, I don't get a vote. They took away your vote, man. The British Empire took away your Scotsman right to, to vote. You should walk around in a kilt for a day or something <laughs> to reassert your rights. Never drink again, Brett. Yeah. That reminds me. I need another sip. Mm. Okay. You don't get to vote. And that sucks, man. I would vote as I'm fiercely Scottish, but also think Britain as a whole would suffer. Any Zen thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, don't worry about it too much. When we get hit by the by the giant asteroid, it'll all work itself out. No one's going to care about countries anymore. Are you hot, dude? It's hot in here. No, not at all. All right. I'm in great shape, though, Brad. Yeah. You just have sweat to just vaporizes instantly keeps there, you cool i'm i have such a little body fat that i'm actually freezing to death right now i have nothing to keep me warm your abs have abs yeah and uh yeah don't don't worry too much about uh countries and such that's my advice zen in the art of geopolitics this is the uh, it all it all works itself out and we're sitting here in texas which has actually had five flags over it in the past like few hundred years so um Let's see. Uh, I'm joining the new style uh, with uh, you and Tawny. Yeah, I'm trying to get Tawny back on the show, but she's acting too busy for us. So we're going to have to really uh, corner her, to jam a mic up in her face and go, hey, we need the news, Tawny. What's going on? Yeah. Who's Tawny? Never heard of her. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody somewhere. Okay. Let's see. Michael Lawrence uh, is from Boston, PA. And let's see, you offer a great mix of insight, news, training nuggets, and comedy. I especially enjoyed the vacation show where you were surfing, chatting up the Ironman in Lake Placid, which I did again this year. I remembered seeing your guy, John Newman, and his Amrita kit on the course. I was able to make the swim before the cutoff and didn't realize all that had happened in the swim until it finished. Solid time of 11.08, 10.22 and adjusted time. On a difficult day, I do agree with John that I had to fight through the urge to quit due to the insane rain and lightning out on the course. Truly Armageddon. I'm in for another round at Lake Placid in 2015. Can't wait to tow the line again. Love that place. It's magical. Keep up the great work. Love the show. And I'm a fan for life. Eager to try the Hornet juice. Nutrition is truly the fourth discipline of triathlon. Nice talking about nutrition again. Nothing? No comment. No comment? Nutrition... Like, I imagine you could do an Ironman without any nutrition. Maybe you're in that great of shape. White milk. That's all I know. 
Do you use it for fuel and sunscreen? Just like smear it all over your body? It's, it's lube. Awesome. Like the whole thing? Sure. Yeah. All right. So we got uh, here. Hold this for a second, man. I'm going to go turn on the fan. See this one where it says John Morgan mm-hmm. right there? All right. What do you think about coconut oil? Is that more nutrition? Is that more unmentionables? I love coconut oil. My eggs in it. Oh, you do? What about taking coconut oil and refining it down to MCT oil? I you think people are just losing their minds I at that point? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Hi, Brett. You talked to you talked about using coconut oil to fuel on Zenyard Triathlon. I use Whole Foods whenever possible. I use the whole brown coconut, chop it in half, and put the top half on my head. No, I'm just kidding. I use the whole brown coconuts in my green smoothies. Be careful not to cut yourself getting the meat out. Use a coconut tool. I got five stitches in my finger from not using a coconut tool. And you need some, like, uh, knife handling skill classes or something. People are hurting themselves listening to my show, dude. Uh, I'm thinking about hurting myself right now. <laughs> Starts with the ears, so they're bleeding out of their ears. And uh, let's see. Go to YouTube and learn the art of opening a brown coconut. Yeah, I think I've actually seen videos like that. It's not as difficult if you use a hammer, a a quarter-inch wood chisel, and a coconut tool. Love the podcast, John Morgan. Okay, here's Emily. Emily Tan. Tan. I went and looked her up. She's hot? She's really good looking, dude. Good for you, Emily. But, unfortunately, I think she's geographically confused. She's French-Canadian living, living in Melbourne, Australia. Right on. So, good for you Australians. You got Emily living down there. They've got, brought some good genetics down there. Um, and she's, uh, she should, she's writing bonjour and other things, like other French phrases, like Montreal. Like, I don't even know what that means. Hmm. What do you think that's French for? Like a uh, cake or treadmill or something like that? I don't know. <sighs> and then she's saying things like good day. So good day, Coach Brett, or as I should say, bonjour. Bonjour, as I'm originally from Montreal, Canada. I always have a good laugh when you take a French-Canadian accent. <laughs> Thanks for being so quick. I cannot wait to try my Hornet juice on my next long run. I'm up to 22 miles. Oh, and then in kilometers, dude, she ruined it. Like she put 35k. <laughs> well, I guess she's always done stuff in K. Sure. Being from French Canada and then going to, we need you need to work more in miles. Uh, the weather is gorgeous here in Melbourne. Well, it's better than Montreal, I bet. Australia, thanks for asking. We have just come out of winter she put in quotes, which was never really cold to begin with. I've been here for six years now and totally enjoy not having to wear a jacket. Toque? Is that toque? I call it a beanie hat. Believe it or not, folks, Brett has not read these before. This is the first time. <laughs> toque. I know it seems very well rehearsed and prepared, but he's, he really is winging it. Just like everything. Toque and ski goggles on my winter runs as I did when living in Montreal. Montreal, I do miss my ice hockey. They have a team here, but they suck. No, but nothing like the Montreal Canadiens. That's their name, the Montreal Canadiens? That's the best they could come up with? That's a great team. You're not a hockey guy, are you? No. No, You grew up in Texas. 
I'm a Detroiter, so go Red Wings. Oh. I I like the Blackhawks. Do they suck or are they any good? Get that mic out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm currently training for my first full marathon on October 12th and my first trail ultra marathon in January and wrangling... Uh, kangaroos in another life i was a short track speed skater and even represented canada in third junior world championships with the fifth place in 2003 i've been running since the age of 11 i've been recently starting to now she's 30 years old i'm responsible for giving a new obsession full half and full ironmans i have a bike here in oz and the moment wait an obsession which eventually wait a bike here in oz at the moment and but i'm planning to make the investment next year. I heard about your podcast a few months ago on the Rich Roll podcast and started listening to it right away. I love to and to have you this with me on your long runs. Podcasters runs. do one another's podcasts. Right? Yeah, dude. it's so incestual. Yeah, like I would say ninety percent of the guests on podcasts are other podcasters. Yeah, we rotate. <laughs> now it's your turn. Have you grabbed your ankles lately? <laughs> All right. I love how you keep it real by driving around, eating and drinking and training on your podcast. I also love how you involve Kai, Emily, Kona, Roxy, and your cat. That cat. Emily sounds like an amazing lady, and I absolutely admire your relationship with Kai. I know you have a few book projects in the making, um, but you should definitely write about having active kids and also how to give them the right amount of motivation without treating them like many pro triathletes. Yeah, you just keep signing them up for crap. And then when they're tired, you go, okay, take a break. That's my strategy. What do you mean treat them like mini pro triathletes? you mean force them into a life of poverty? (laughs) I go, go, congratulations, you're sponsored. Now buy all this stuff. That's what I say. (laughs) No. um, Yeah, you, uh, you sign your kids up for tons of stuff. And then when they're tired, you let them not do anything. You let them take a nap. And then eventually they get good at something. We're still waiting. <laughs> but something will work. Thanks again and keep up the good work. I'm sure I'll have a few questions for you when I start try training next year. Smiley face. Okay, and we got one from, for the life of me, I didn't know how to pronounce this. Although I'd recognize the word, but I never said it out loud. So I had to look it up. From Il Soigneur, which is a support crew in uh, France or Italy. I couldn't really tell. James Radford. I know James. I coach James. What's up, dude? And Brett Hoyer. So that's it. That's the donations. I just want to thank the people that donated and didn't write a letter. (laughs) To save your ass from sitting here and listening to this. God, that was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) This is what it's really like, man. This is your future. You may be rethinking this whole podcast. Yeah, we're sitting on this couch here, uh, you know, side by side. Um, are, who are you? Pretty competitive, Brett. Have you noticed that I'm sitting slightly in front of you? If we played a game of gay chicken right now, who would win? <laughs> gay chicken. Gay chicken. What's that? We would each start to lean in toward one another as if we were going you to kiss, win. and then whoever flinches first loses. I would flinch first. Yeah. All right. You're not that good looking. Yes, I am. <coughs> Is that the first time gay chicken has been discussed on Zen and the Art of Triathlon? Zen and the Art of Gay Chicken. Yes. Yeah. That should be the show title. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's see. We, got, we need to mention a couple of sponsors. Sunto, 
with the Ambit 3. Uh, let's see. Nice. Who else we got there? Hornet Juice. You can order Hornet Juice on the right side. You've heard about Hornet Juice? No. Never tried it. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait to tell you this. Some mad scientists captured Japanese killer hornets, sampled them all over their bodies to figure out why they're so fast and have so much endurance. Figured out that their saliva is what enables them to be the longest flying animal without having to take a break. And it metabolizes their body fat. Hmm. Then in a lab, these mad scientists went in and created the synthetic version of the exact same amino acid profile in that saliva. They put it into a packet, and you can buy it. Not for sex. Not for you to have. And then have all-night sex benders mm. feasting off of your own body fat mm. and never having to stop. This is for endurance sports. Outstanding. Now, are you a believer? Do you want some when you leave? I'll try some. <laughs> but not for sex. I'm married, Brett. I don't have <laughs> that word. Don't even know how to spell it. <laughs> I, know so, what, I know how to spell it. But. You, uh, you go to the right side of zentriathlon.com, and there's Hornet Juice on the right, and you get Hornet Juice. This stuff really does work, by the way. It's really cool. And you, uh, a little bit of it goes to Zentri and Kai's College Fund, and the uh, rest of it goes to paying things like the, um, the internet bill, the uh, from uh, SoundCloud and things like that to uh, pay for all this podcasting because this stuff is not for free. And that's it, man. Oh, Amrita, fifteen percent off Amrita bars with discount code Zen. They sent me some new a new box of bars. I'm excited to dig into them. AmritaHealthFoods.com discount code Zen, all caps Z E N. And I think that's it, man. So how was it? You rethinking this whole thing? Or you're going in. It was just a pleasure to be with you today, Brett. Just a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, what a, do you have an idea of your first guest for your show? What are you going to call it? I'll tell you who my guests are. You want to hear who my guests are? Yeah. You're probably not going to believe me, but I have Jan Ferdano, 2008 Olympic gold medalist. I have Dave Scott. Who Are you shitting me? Really? Dave, Dave Scott? Dave Scott, yeah. six-time Ironman champion, who I have written a billion jokes about, but he's going to join me. Uh, who else do I have? Uh, Miranda Carfe committed to giving us an interview after the race. Frederick Von Lier, male winner from last year. Yeah. Uh, is that enough A-listers for you? Yeah. People that have never and would never be on this show. The cutest guy in triathlon, Jesse Thomas. Uh, oh, gonna... he's been on Zentri plenty. Yeah. 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 He's a furry little guy. Yeah. Um, he's a beast, man. Who else do we have? Uh, there's a number of others that aren't timed yet. Oh, we have uh, Rachel Joyce. I'm very pumped up about that one. She took second last year. Yeah. So definite contender. Is Rachel Joyce the one that's sporty dog? Nope. No. No, Rachel Joyce is a – she's also English. She's an attorney. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the one that Iron Man CEO said something about. Doesn't know why she's doing triathlon <laughs> instead of practicing law or something. Yeah. Like that. What a guy. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I can't wait for the show to come out. 
We're also going to do a beer mile, by the way. It's going to be covered. There's going to be better live coverage of this beer mile uh-huh. than there was of the Ironman 70.3 championship. probably will be. You just need some drones and we some got, video. Uh, some stud pros that are going to race for cash. We've got... Uh, Not a milk mile, though. Kevin Collington. Yeah. AJ Bauco. Uh, AJ's cool. He's been on Zentrar before. He's he? super cool. Yeah, I like him. Uh, who else do we have? I think I've extended the invite to Patrick Evo. Um, Leon Griffin is in, I believe. So we're going to have, like, legitimate pros. Yeah. Chugging Instead beers. of illegitimate pros. Chugging beers and... Uh, and uh, trying to win cash, so that's going to be fun, too. All right, man. I can't wait. This is going to be good, dude. Oh, you're right. It's going to be good. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. All right, so you think you got an idea of this stuff? You got a grasp? You ready to ready to roll? Yep, let's do it. Let's All right, dude. All right, that's it. Everybody, stay safe out there. We're going to roll over to the, uh, the training log next. We've got an hour and a half or so of training tips and advice, and then we wrap up the show. All right. Here we go with the training log. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Funelli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a trash. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But, Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! All right, welcome to a new training low. Start eight. September 6th, 10 a.m. Saturday. And I am working on my bike. Listen to this, this is beautiful. I had to replace the battery in my power tap, power meter. Let's crank it up. So they say one reason to make that uh, that coasting sound, the Paul, P-A-W-L, I think, I believe, and they're so loud and like angry bees is, it's actually intimidating towards the competition. It's pretty cool. So I was out on my rides and... Uh, the power tap would connect, but it wasn't getting watts or cadence. And uh, so I popped it open, took a couple pictures, posted it on Twitter while I was doing it. And uh, so you can see the inside of a power tap G3 and what that looks like. And replaced the battery from uh, the old one. I have a battery meter. Um, I suggest if you don't have one, get one. They're really cheap and it's so handy for all kinds of stuff. And uh, tested the battery, and it was a little bit on the weak side, and it turns out that these uh, power meters, um, if it's not a good strong battery, it doesn't tend to transmit like you'd want it to. So I replaced it, put it together, and uh, put it back on, and also I'm tending to a leaky valve extender, which is starting to really piss me off. It uh, leaks air out every um, every couple days. It goes totally flat, and that's because I'm running a Zip 808 rear wheel rear wheel clincher, 
And then uh, also I went swimming in what I like to call Old Lake Band-Aid, which is a neighborhood pool. And, uh, of course, neighborhood pools end up with Band-Aids and hairballs and stuff like that uh, floating around. And I was I had some, a little Ziploc bag of banana chips off there, uh, off the side and some water. And every once in a while I'd look up and there'd be this crow or a raven or a grackle. It was kind of hard to tell because I'm not wearing my contacts right now. Um, lurking and loitering near my uh, my banana chips. So I had to every once in a while stop and yell at it, which is what it's like <sighs> in the world of triathlon training. And uh, I got, is Suji still up here? My cat. You up here? There you are. <laughs> I have a cat that's like a dog, and he wants to be nearby. So he, Kai's not here right now, so I'm working in Kai's room for the space. Working on, I have a bike stand, so I brought it into Kai's room and brought my bike in here to work on it. And uh, Suji got up in Kai's bunk bed and looked supervising from up ahead, up above. And uh, Kona, our big black lab, is in here as well, just kind of being a voyeur. Oh, he's leaving. <laughs> he's going to go scope things out and see what else is up. Anyway, so I swam today. It's Saturday. I'll probably, I'll probably bike on the trainer in the middle of the day because uh, once it gets to be the middle of the day, I like to stay out of the sun and uh, in the heat. And then I'll probably run tonight. And I think we've got to run to the grocery store and get some stuff, and I'll be back. Out, bang. All right. It is now uh, almost 6 o'clock in the evening, 5.45. And I did an hour on the trainer doing uh, the lake, finishing up Lake Tahoe. It took me three or four rides, three rides, and I'm almost done. And uh, on trainer view, you go to realtimeathlete.com, and there's, gosh, I can't wait for you all to see it. The new beta version of it is so awesome. And I was listening to that, and or uh, riding to that, and listening to uh, Heavy Metal, a little bit of Megadeth and Pantera, Black Label Society, and uh, I don't know, just whatever, and um, Metallica, and using my new secret fuel, and cranked out my best trainer ride I think I've ever done, uh, math, um, people talk about how hard it is to get your heart rate up as high on the bike as it is on the run, but if you talk to Phil Maffetone and a few other people, they say that that's in your mind and that you actually can do it. And I am there, man. I was floating around the same exact heart rate as I get on my run whenever I'm uh, capping out at math on my run. Math is maximum aerobic uh, threshold function. I was like, that would be Matt. Uh, function. And that's as, as fast as you can go while staying aerobic and not going anaerobic. And my new fuel, um, it's probably the same amount of calories as I would normally use. Maybe less, maybe a little bit more. But it's so potent that uh, my legs are actually hurting, you know, because I've been working out. So just soreness hurting, not not pushing and hurting, but soreness hurting. And I was just amped to 
enough from my workout fuel to be uh, just pushing through it and uh, and liking it. I read a um, I read an article. Somebody posted on Slow Twitch the uh, <sighs> the fittest man on earth or fittest man in the world or something like that is a uh, CrossFitter. Went and looked at it. Comments are. You know, well, they CrossFit trademarked this fittest man on earth or fittest man in the world. I can't remember what it is. So it'll always be a CrossFitter. <laughs> but anyway, uh, there's an interview with him. And he said that it wasn't a very, like, intellectually deep interview. They said he's the fittest man in the world, not the smartest man. He, he could be he could be a Rhodes Scholar for all I know. They just the interview wasn't very deep. And the... Um, but they're asking about some training stuff, and he said, uh, <laughs> I like this one. He said that when he's sore, um, he actually likes to go work out because working out helps with the soreness a little bit. you know. And that's actually true. Um, light working out can actually help with soreness. And I read this a, a few days ago, and I was like, wow, um, that's kind of interesting and so my latest workouts I've been doing is uh, embracing the soreness and working out with the purpose of of uh, trying to at any given time when I'm sore the uh, goal is to move the muscles and work through it and approach that soreness go at it on purpose and um really seems to work for me it's really weird it's uh i'm i'm a very much a uh a sadomasochist or i don't know whatever the um the uh, one is where self-inflicted pain <laughs> um when exercising doesn't bother me at all in fact i embrace it a little bit um if it's burning and it's hard i actually like it uh in a weird way so um I have to be careful, you know, because I'll get injured or, or uh, get worn out because I enjoy the uh, the pain, the actual pain of working out sometimes. And so I'm doing this, and I'm like, this hurts. <laughs> but I'm watching my heart rate, and uh, everything's fine. I'm not going anaerobic, and I'm not doing intervals. It just hurts, you know. And uh, But I like it. It's really weird. And... Um, so I'm suggesting that some some of you may like train in this way, um, and you know what we dis, we actually decide and can train ourselves on what we like based on reward over time. So um, you may it may sound crazy, but if uh, you started getting a nice uh, biofeedback reward from doing it, then after a while you'd actually enjoy it because you know in the back of your mind actually. That it's going to pay off, and uh, so you're chasing that reward actually more than the pain. And uh, so anyway, I was just killing it on the trainer. It, it hurt, and uh, but I liked it a lot. And that was my run last night too, and that was my uh, swim this morning. Um, it hurt, but I liked it, and um, I think that that the ability to actually have the emotional yes to the pain and the energy to uh, not 
to power through it and not back down off of it. And the positivity was uh, through fuel, through a better fueling. So I'll tell I'll tell y'all what my uh, top secret fuel is on down the road. Don't worry about it. Like I said, I'm trying to make sure that I said last episode, I'm trying to make sure that uh, it's not stupid. And I go recommending things to people um, and uh, uh, get a whole bunch of people doing something that's uh, dumb. <laughs> that ends up not working. You know, I want to do lots of testing and make sure that it's uh, good stuff before I go out, going out on a out on a limb and proclaiming something. Um, and uh, then, let's see. Yeah, a little, little bit of ice cream as recovery, but just a little bit. And hold on a second. All right, I'm back. Let me turn the screen off. I just went running with Kona. <laughs> it's Saturday night, so that's three hours for the day. One hour swim, one hour bike, one hour run. A new secret fueling formula. It's just unlimited horsepower. But these are short workouts. These are just an hour. So, you know, can they hold up over the long haul? I think I'll go for a, uh, a little bit longer bike ride tomorrow, depending on how I feel. Oh, I hear tree frogs. Anyway, I was running with Kona, and it just started raining as we started. And... The Aggie football game was supposed to start, but 30-minute delay due to lightning. Every lightning strike, <laughs> it's probably another 30 minutes. And uh, so I went for a run. Oh, man. Hold on. I'm drinking some water. So, got the phone in the Ziploc. Really, really good day today. Spent the day with Emily. Kai's doing stuff with friends. There's some thunder rolling off the horizon. Anyway, Conan and I ran in the rain. Oh, it was so good. I'm wandering up and down my street right now trying to cool down. So, running in the rain is my favorite. Gotta watch out because water in your socks will eventually start chafing giving you blisters so my favorite is skin sake or lanoseptic rub that on your feet especially before a race you can really fix yourself so you don't have a problem put it in your shoes and in your yeah in your shoes so that when you put on your shoes it's already got lube in it I think for that situation lanoseptic would probably work best because that stuff sticks it's crazy um, but anyway, took Emily, Emily, took Emily to the new bike shop, and we hung out. We found Kai a new bike, which we got to start saving up for. He's outgrown his Fuji Ace 24 inch, so his knees are banging into the handlebars on his road bike. And uh, he's set for cyclocross this fall. He's nine. They're going to start doing cyclocross, and uh, he's got that mountain bike that everybody helped pitch in with his coaching advice and uh, got him that so maybe around this Christmas we'll start looking at there's a there's like a specialized alley spelled Alez 650 like a junior 
I think it's like a 44 inch bike or 48 inch. So I've had two specialized LA or one. I can't remember. They're good bikes. And um, yeah, I spent the day with Emily just hanging out, going to the grocery store, driving around together. Oh, it was so nice. Talking about next weekend, we're going to go do that charity ride together. Maybe that'll make it into this into this uh, training log. We'll see. Oh, I got a productivity tip. Every day, wake up, have a cup of coffee. <laughs> How's that song go? Every day I wake up, have a cup of coffee, and watch my CNN. Oh, it's Clutch, Burning Beard. It's the name of the song, Burning Beard. Got to go check it out. Anyway, and on a list that you're going to throw away at the end of the day, well, maybe keep it if you want. The notepad on your iPhone works really good. Make a list of everything that you could do today that if you did all these things, you could declare the day awesome, right? So I had like five things. Where like, if I'd got all this stuff done today, don't make the list too long because you'll never do it and then you'll be depressed. But make it a little bit of a challenge. Be like, man, if I could get all this stuff done today, I could declare today a success. And even if you could get most of it done, still today would be a success. And then as you go out throughout the day, and you're like, what do I do next? Check your happy list. You know, where you would be like, man, I'm so happy that I got all this stuff done. I'm not a turd. I'm not a failure. I'm a success, man. Look at this cool stuff I got done today. Right? So, kind of like I was talking, I think I was talking last podcast about not training in fear. You know, you got a race coming up and uh, now you're training too much because you're scared that if you don't train, you know, you're not going to be in shape. You got a marathon coming up and you're like, oh man, you got an injury. You got a little bit of a niggling injury. Inter- injury or you uh, have a little bit, uh, you're tired and you're like, but if I don't train, if I don't train, I'm not going to do this race. That's not how you train. That's training out of fear. That'll make it worse. It'll make you more tired, more injured, right? Because now you're training when you shouldn't. Instead, train out of happiness. Be like, man, if I could do more, would that make me happy? How can I do more or whatever I need to do? Not, it doesn't have to be more. And be happy, Right? So you target happy, not fear, not consequences. Target happy. And that's a really smart way to train. It's a different target, you know? It's like, man, if I could train really happy, I would feel great at the end of my workouts. What does it take to feel great the next day after a workout? You know? There's sometimes where you're tired and you feel good that you feel tired. That's awesome. So you make your to-do list for the day, you sit down and you go, what would I get done today that tomorrow I'd wake up and look at this list and go, wow, man, I got this stuff done, right? Cool, happy list, happy, 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 happy. (laughs) Got my phone in the Ziploc here. Let me turn this sucker off and do it. Get on it. All right, out, bang. All right, it's Monday morning. I'm on my way to W to the ERK. 
and got a lot of nice tweets about the SOS triathlon this weekend. That was really cool. And in <laughs> this weekend's tragedy with the WTC and Ironman brand, they managed to have the world championships. I found out like Friday or Saturday, started noticing people talking about how we're going to watch some of the world's best triathletes in the head-to-head racing of uh, former current probably Olympians which ended up being uh, Ferdino and Gomez um, within like a minute or so of each other at the finish line at Mont Treblant Treblant, and uh, at 70.3 World Championships. Um, I was going to go for my bike ride on Sunday morning and then watch this championship uh, video footage, you know, Although they're probably going to finish by the time I got done with my bike ride. But anyway, where where is it online? How do I see this? Oh, there's no video coverage. It's like, are you freaking crazy? Is this on purpose? You know? Are we trying to make the pros not have any kind of coverage whatsoever? These are Olympians and a world championship. At a hugely important sport. And we're not going to have video coverage in this day and age. We got drones. We got all kinds of crap. It's crazy. Why? Why? It's unbelievable. Hold on. I'm in a school zone. Got to turn off the audio thing. Okay, I'm back. So I'm almost to the verge of that it's a conspiracy. I'm a conspiracy theorist now that the Ironman, the WTC is trying to ruin the money-making uh, aspect of pros and keep them like squished down and not get any exposure if, if possible and only create spo- exposure um, when they absolutely have to because if they do make these pros um, famous, then they're going to have to pay the pros more in prize money. <clears throat> and that's... I, that to me sounds bu- ridiculous because there's uh, more money to be made if they actually expose the pros and generate just huge hype over races. So I'm I'm kind of confused as to why they would do this unless it, it's a just short term sight, you know, like punish punish them. <laughs> keep what money we've got to ourselves instead of like expanding it anyway um lots of drafting during the race but that happens at um at uh uh really competitive races like 70 like world championships the time i did nationals in vermont i i could not believe how fast everybody was everybody got into the water and everybody got on the bikes at exactly the same time it's crazy. So uh, I think drafting, uh, regretfully, is going to happen more at races where people are the um, same speed. They all had to qualify to get there, so everybody's the same speed. So if you want to not have drafting packs, then uh, do um, a metered start, you know, where people go far off one at a time. And uh, that'll reduce it a lot. But anyway, I've talked about that a bunch. Anyway, and then, um, but the thing I really, really want to talk about, I was going for this three-hour bike ride on Sunday, and depending on how I felt, I was planning on running 
uh, Sunday night. And when I finished my bike ride, I was just toasted and my numbers weren't all that good. Uh, my power was down. Oh, I, I kind of blew up at the end, but I wasn't really sure why or how. And so I've been thinking about it a lot. And all signs point to getting really dehydrated. Um, because when, when I start telling you these things all in a few minutes, it's going to sound obvious. But remember, these things are spread out over days. So it's hard. And there's so many other inputs coming in that uh, uh, there's so much other noise coming in. It's hard to find the signal for the noise. But what happened, um, I started noticing, uh, well, I started my new super my superfood uh, fuel. The thing is, is that it's dry. It's... Um, so you got to add water to it, you know, instead of doing liquid calories, this is solid calories. And there's, there's some missing water right there. And then of course it's hot here. Um, and then like really, really hot. So, um, dehydration will, is your number one concern. That's the quickest thing to happen. So, um, and then I started noticing my weight has been using this new super fuel. My weight has started to drop. And that's one thing it's supposed to do is make you leaner. Um, because you're having better workouts and better metabolism and stuff. But it shouldn't be working that fast, you know. So I went from like 182 or 183 to like 181 and then 179. And then... Um, when I finished my bike ride on Sunday, I was 176 or something like that. And so you're talking like eight pounds in like three days. And I mean, it wasn't eight pounds in one day, but in one day it was like four pounds or something. And, uh, that's, um, in, in just three hours. And that's, uh... The downside is, is when you get those kind of numbers, you're kind of like, it's kind of, the bad thing is, is it's kind of addictive. It's kind of like, oh, look at me, I'm losing weight. Keep it up. (laughs) No, it's bad, you know? I mean, you want to lose, if you're trying to lean up, you want to lose a little bit of weight, but, um, so it's tough to like nail it down so that it's some, but not that much, you know? So it's kind of unfortunate. Um. I need to get over. Let's see if somebody's nice and lets me over. Looks like they will be. I've got this weird thing where I figure if I've put on my blinker and I've waited for a few seconds, um, if you're not going to let somebody in, then you're rude. Uh, Okay, then it's Texas-style driving. Hey, I've started doing the thing like they do in Japan where if somebody lets you in, I'm going to do it right now. Give them a couple blinks with your hazard lights, like a wink. Thank you, like that. Um, oh, Kai watched for the first time uh, Karate Kid 1 and 2. <laughs> and for the first time, uh, and 3, I think. For the first time, uh, Forrest Gump, and I made him stay up and watch the running scene <laughs> when Tom Hanks gets the big beard and the, and the hair and stuff like that. Um, and then, Let's see. Oh, so I finished this ride. Well, towards the end of the ride, I just started bottoming out. I was like, what is going on? My fuel has been so good up until now. And the other thing I noticed was um, the amount I was sweating. 
like I would stop during my bike ride and it didn't feel like it was really all that hot out there and I was just pouring in sweat just covered in sweat like way too soon my whole body um, really really weird and then towards oh yeah 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 this is another thing I didn't even think about this one yet towards the end of the bike ride I thought about it because it hurts I started getting cramps in my right quad and I thought that was kind of weird um, and so I just said well I've been training a lot and this is a sign I need to take a break you know train until your body breaks <laughs> and then uh, what does this sign say permit use oh, I don't know what that says anyway the um, am I late to work again how do I do that every day um, the uh, but now I'm looking back going man that was probably dehydration you know um, boy that really makes sense <sighs> okay so anyway I finished my ride like 11 o'clock Saturday, Sunday morning I got real angry about uh, uh, no video coverage of this like once in a lifetime race to see it was incredible the deepest field ever um, biggest name pros they should those pros should be like incensed and talking about how mad they are that their race company didn't get video footage of them racing. That's crazy. And the sponsor should be, their sponsor should be like, what the hell, Iron Man? What are you doing? Anyway, um, so then for the rest of the day, and even this morning, just feeling sluggish, uh, drained, couldn't get anything done yesterday after, after that ride. And um, that's a huge sign of dehydration, overeating carbs, because um, your body knows that carbs have uh, water in it. This is my theory. And so eat, eat, eat. You know, because really what it's trying to do is get water. It's confused. Um, and so now today I'm trying to actually sip all day on water. And I'm trying to learn the lesson that if I continue using this miracle uh, fuel that I'm using, that... Um, Man, I got to drink a lot more water with this. It doesn't, it doesn't carry any water in it, and uh, I got to change my lifestyle if I'm going to continue using this. And um, yeah, that's it. All right, so I'm a W to the ERK, and today is a day to drink lots of water. All right, out, bang. All right, it's evening, Monday evening. I ran because I felt fine, and. Ate a cliff bar right before I got going. Because I had dinner a little while before and it was feeling, you know, like an hour and a half after you eat. It's not the best time. <laughs> so I powered down a cliff bar and a bunch of water. And I ran under this moon. What is this called? I just I knew it a minute ago. I just said it. Oh, anyway, super moon. This big full moon. The moon glows so bright because actually moon dust, the stuff on the surface, the pulverized stuff on the surface, for whatever reason, reason I'm not sure why, um, the material, when sunlight hits it, it re-radiates kind of like in all directions or something like that. It scatters the light back right, really dramatically, more than most stuff ever would. And if you look at the moon landing photos, one of the reasons they say that there's 
it's fake is <laughs> because there's no shadows under the guys on the moon. There's no shadows because that's how reflective this stuff is. It shoots the light back all over the place. You look up in the sky right now with this moon and it is glowing. Anyway, I'm really stoked. I think I found a new training venue. I've done this once before, maybe twice before. But once before, and it hit me, like, this is cool. I live in the middle of a, um, of a loop that's exactly half a mile. Um, it's, a, you know, it's a road, so you could run the outside of it and add more distance to it. But the inside track's pretty much half a mile. And it's got two little hills on it. One of them's pretty decent. The other one's a lot smaller, long. And uh, I can just sit there. Once I got over myself and uh, kind of got into it, I can run this loop, this half-mile loop, for an hour. And actually, I'm starting to like it. Um, the hills are good. It's got street lamps, so I can run at night. Anytime there's a, a wind one direction, you know, because I'm looping, I spend a lot less time getting overheated running with the wind. And when it's cold, I've noticed this, I spend a lot less time running into the wind for too long before I turn, which is nice. And if I need water or fuel, I can just swing by the house. If I need a bathroom, I can just swing by the house. But you have to get over the fact that you're just running a loop. But it's half a mile. And uh, so I did, I did seven miles, so 14 loops. Halfway through, I changed direction and went the other way. And um, after I kind of started getting into it and kind of seeing the benefit of this, um, there's two things. One, for training, um, because I'm not trying to cover a distance out and back and get back in a certain amount of time or anything like that, I'm just running, right? It's almost like running a treadmill because it's a closed loop and I can quit at any time. I don't feel the need to push the pace for some reason. I don't know why if I'm out running around the territory, I need to push the pace. I guess to get back if I'm doing an out and back or something like that. Um, this, I'm just running like a treadmill. And um, I'm more inclined to do the right heart rate and the right effort level um, because it doesn't make any difference because I'm not going anywhere. I'm not gonna cover any more ground. I'm just doing loops. You know what I mean? Even though I am covering ground, I'm not going to cover any more ground because I'm just running loops. Like, I had to think about it, like how many laps I did. I had to sit there and calculate it because I'm not really paying attention. I'm just doing what's right. And I was sitting there looking at my heart rate, and my math heart rate is high 130s. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was doing like 138, just reliably, just boom, uphill, downhill, 138. And then... So anyway, my point is, is that running a track or a road that's got a loop on it actually um, might be just what I need to improve my running even more um, because it leads to great training instead of chasing numbers or chasing results. I just do what my body's saying to do. And then, um, yeah, and I don't, I don't turn on pace or anything like that on my watch because that'll get you doing all kinds of crazy crap. It's not good for you. And then, um, what was the other thing? 
at one point I was feeling really good and I'm like, I'm doing this loop in honor of all you crazy bastards out there on military bases. Say for example, Afghanistan, having to run loops around your base because you want to run but you can't go anywhere so you're just running in circles. I'm representing you guys back here and girls. <laughs> the madness. <laughs> so when I went to military school, um, it was a converted Air Force base. I think it was Air Force. I'm pretty sure it was. There's, it's the airfield is now Harlingen Airport. And um, we had barracks. And uh, we ran around the base. <sighs> Three to five miles every morning or something like that. It was pretty nuts. And... Then, um, so I did that for two years, just running and running and running in circles and never anywhere else, just around that base when I was like 15, 16 years old, 17 years old. And then, uh, also the guy that got in trouble for tax fraud, uh, that ran across the Sahara, um, he ran a hundred miler or something like that while he was in prison <laughs> in the yard. So you can do it, man. You think you don't like your route. And you don't want it bad enough. You gotta want it. And I know you want it. You can do it. Make it happen. When you do the thing that you don't want to do, sometimes you find that there's an upside to it that you never realized. Made it totally worth doing. Alright. I'm at the front door. Let's go inside. Hello, I'm home. All right, Tuesday morning, listening to Joe Rogan podcast interview with Mike Dolce, who's the nutritionist, oh my hair looks like crap, who's a nutritionist for um, a lot of MMA fighters, UFC, it's really interesting, a lot of good shit in there, a lot of dumb shit, excuse my language, <laughs> uh, but... Anyway, um, and what I mean by dumb is like uh, still going off of wives, old wives' tales and stuff. Joe Rogan's looking stuff up, going, "That's not true." <laughs> like how to do nutrition and stuff. Oh. Anyway, good ride on the trainer this morning. Got up, had a bowl of granola, small bowl, coconut milk. Very important if you're going to get in a workout in the morning that you eat stuff that's not going to bog down your stomach. I've done that for years. Learning that that's just dumb. It's a waste of your morning. It's never eating heavy, heavy granola, heavy Ezekiel cereal, whatever that stuff is. Well, your stomach's so busy trying to power through that fiber and stuff. It's just sucking energy right out of you. So anyway, hopped on the trainer, riding the trainer view course. I had been, I've ridden around the Tahoe Loop, and now I'm back to the Austin 70.3 course. I'm out riding around on ranch roads, getting used to the course, kind of getting familiar with where the uh, railroad crossings are and such. And I'm going to go through a school zone here in a minute. And um, doing intervals, and wanted to make a comment that... A really good use of your time on the bike is doing intervals slightly above race pace at a really high cadence. So I'm doing like 95, 100 RPM. And 
Um, if you can get up to an awesome cadence, then you can, um, it's like, it's like playing something really, really fast on the guitar. You get, you get good at playing a guitar solo at twice the speed of what it's supposed to be. Then, uh, when you, when you have to play it live, it's like you're playing it in slow motion. It is so easy, easy, easy. Hold on my window so I can see through the uh, fog here. Um, been doing a little bit of fuel with some uh, MCT oil in it. And uh, maltodextrin, MCT oil. Morgan sent me a link to... Uh, I'm going to get off the uh, recorder. We're in the school zone. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, the school zone just drives me nuts. Cars backed up, causing traffic jams. It is 75 degrees outside and sunny. And, you know... 50% of the cat kids are fat. All of them, except for just a few, are out of shape and playing video games all the time. And all you got to do is put your kid on a freaking bike. And there's sidewalks and neighborhoods and everything uh, to ride through. If they did better planning, the sidewalks would actually connect all the way to the uh, school. And you could get some people actually riding their bikes. Um, you get all these comments on the show like, wow, you do so much for Kai and whatever. Well, a lot of it, or with Kai, and you take Kai places and whatever. So much of it is proper planning before we even had a kid. We picked a place to live before we had a kid. Before Emily was pregnant. Years before Emily was pregnant with Kai. I said, we're probably going to live here. And this... Uh, uh, we're, we're probably going to live here we're, uh, we're probably going to be living in the same house When we have a kid, that's what I mean And so um, Let's be smart And get a house near an elementary school And uh, with sidewalks And where everything's connected There's lots of choices Where you can live And uh, don't pick something That's, that's going to be difficult And pick it in a good school district When we lived in California We never even had a kid and we lived in a, we decided to live in a part of San Diego that um, wasn't all that glamorous by any means, but it had the best school district in town, right? And the elementary school was uh, like uh, half a mile away. So whenever we finally did get to uh, around to having a kid, that it would just be an easy shot, you know, for him to go to school. And uh, where I live now, um, well, years and years ago, I switched jobs because it would be easier to bike to work than where I was currently working. If because I was into biking to work then, and uh, so this stuff is planning that you have to bite the bullet ahead of time and um, start uh, creating. I mean, like you go to college years before you get the college, the job that requires college, you know. So that you can have a good paying job, um, you don't want the job and then, uh, and then uh, decide that you need to go to college. The smart way is to go to college first and then when you get done, then you go get a job, you know, all, all kinds of things like that. But anyway, um, so long story short, uh, Kai is, uh, we've signed him up for cyclocross <laughs> that has come to town finally and uh, 
he we're going to his first practice tonight that'll be a lot of fun anyway so i'm i'm on the bike and i'm riding the austin course uh i'm jumping all over the place but that's cool drinking coffee hold on oh so in my fuel bottle i've got a scoop of maltodextrin powder a squirt of honey and a what is it um a little bit of of, uh, coconut oil and uh, shake the bottle every once in a while kind of spreads the uh, oil around because otherwise the oil will just kind of separate and who knows what you're drinking straight carbs or straight oil who knows whatever (laughs) whatever's going on um i'm wondering if the maltodextrin powder like grabs the oil i have no clue now we got people i'm in a traffic line here people jostling for uh, position to get onto the on-ramp and College Station slowly turning into Houston, the hellhole. Um, but anyway, the, uh, uh, the post-workout, um, ice water, and the whatever remained in my fuel bottle, right? Uh, it's a good recovery drink. Whatever you don't need during the workout, if you make it for an hour, then uh, you can uh, use that to power down whatever. So some ice water, stand in front of the fan, posting pictures to Instagram of my setup and the, the uh, laptop with the 70.3 course. And uh, some funny, a funny picture of a, of a song I was listening to for motivation. And then, uh, oh, in my fuel bottle also, a, a little scoop of matcha powder. So that's green tea, which gives you a little bit of energy because it's caffeinated. Um, and green, anything green is always good for you. Well, not anything. Aliens probably not good for you. But the next thing was uh, took a shower, cleaned up, cooled down, and then made scrambled eggs in the microwave in a coffee mug. Okay, so if you don't know about this, this is awesome. Uh, you can take an egg or two, um, crack it, crack them with a little bit of butter or coconut oil, whatever you want, just a little bit, and crack them into a coffee mug and stir it with a spoon until they're scrambled, okay? And keep stirring it. It takes 20 seconds. I know, it's a huge portion of your life. It takes 20 seconds. <laughs> Scramble them up. Now, uh, put them in the microwave for, if it's one egg, 30 seconds. If it's two eggs, 40 seconds. All right, uh, put the spoon in the sink while you're doing this. And then, uh, sorry, I was looking at my speedometer doing 80 miles an hour, which is apparently fine. The uh, scramble, 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 or, oh, microwave. Yeah, so pull it out of the microwave and it'll be partially cooked. So with your spoon that's got egg bacteria and God knows what else on it that's out of the sink, uh, uh, scramble it some more to mix it up some more. Put it back in the microwave and do it for another uh, 30 to 40 seconds. And then uh, it should be done. It should puff up. It's really cool. So what happens is if you use a ceramic coffee mug, it actually refocuses the heat from the cooking back towards the egg. It's really cool. And this is different than using... um, If y'all people don't figure out your lanes... Okay, I guess I'm going to go to the right. Oh, my goodness. If you... Uh, <laughs> if Sorry, this is distracting. Oh, cool minivan. Um, if you use, like, say, a ceramic bowl, um, the eggs don't cook as well. It's really weird. 
Um, and then if, but if you use a coffee mug, it's really cool. A coffee mug works perfectly. It refocuses the heat back in. It's a smaller area and, uh, it traps the heat better and it cooks the eggs and, um, more evenly. And it's cool when the eggs start to puff up and come up out of the top. That's pretty funny looking. Okay. Then on top, put to cool it down. Cause now you want to eat it, right? But it's hot. So to cool it down, you pull some salsa out of the fridge, pico de gallo, salsa, whatever you want, pour it on top. That stuff's cold, right? So that kind of brings the heat back down and it's some good healthy carbs. It brings the heat back down of the eggs. And then, um, if you want even more awesomeness, put guacamole on top of it or avocado and, uh, for some extra fat and that brings fat and fiber. Actually, avocados are really high in fiber that brings the, uh, the heat back down even more and you can just stir it with your spoon if it's a tall coffee mug and get um, it the perfect temperature they're warm now but they're not scalding hot because you just cooked them and uh, uh, sit there and eat scrambled eggs salsa and guacamole all cooked within about takes about three minutes and it's a wonderful it's such such a good thing and uh, supposedly it's a good post-workout um, snack because it's got some protein and fat in it good recovery stuff you know <sighs> and that's it I'm full of that man mm, you know alright out bang alright lots of drama today sitting there oh we've just had an accident up ahead lots of drama today we've got uh, the iWatch the watch whatever the Apple watch they should have just named it iWatch uh, released today. It looks to me like it's not waterproof, so that's a big thumbs down. I, I can't do watches that aren't waterproof, period. <laughs> they drive me nuts. Um, I don't like taking off my watch to uh, get in the shower. And then uh, um, it looks pretty interesting. I mean, it's pretty cool. Um, in fact, it's actually really, 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 really cool. It's just... Uh, there's no GPS in it, and yeah, it's not waterproof, so it's not really for sports. Um, I do like the the uh, NFC in it, the NFC chip, and uh, man, Sunto ought to put that in there, so that'd be pretty cool. And um, what was the other thing? Listening. Oh, wait, there was something big. Oh, the. Uh, the 70.3 championships are going to be on NBC. And they're saying that as some kind of consolation, cancellation, consolation for them not doing it live, I guess. They're not really saying that, but it's kind of implied. It's like, no, you should have done both. You do the do it live and then show it again on on uh, on the on uh, NBC you know, later condensed into an even better package. I do not understand companies aversion to making money. <laughs> you know, you put it, you put the, sh you put the, ch you put every race that you can live on the internet and then sell ads, sell ads for stuff. The, the whole, the whole race is nothing but product placement. They're on branded bikes. They're on branded shoe they're in branded shoes they're wearing branded gear branded nutrition branded 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 it's it's a uh, you got eyeballs locked on it it is nothing but selling ads constantly 
It can't be that hard. Why do companies hate making money? Sometimes you just ask yourself, do they hate? Why do you hate money? We've got money. We want to give it to you. Why are you not uh, showing stuff uh, that people want to watch? Anyway, so the championships will be on September 30th on, on NBC Universal, And apparently... Um, there's a little bit of concern that it won't even be worldwide. It'll just be like North America or something. I don't know. Maybe only their markets. Okay, so then, um, yeah, another way to not make money. <laughs> I hate I hate money. I don't want to sell anything. Um, and then uh, listening to I Am Talk, uh, they've got Hunter Allen on there, who's a power meter guru, and they're talking left-right. And I'm in two camps on this one. One... You got to watch out because the more metrics you start trying to measure, the more time you spend in your driveway fiddling with settings and stuff that doesn't work right. You know, it's like uh, the more complicated you make stuff, the uh, this is triathlon. So you're working a full time job. You got kids, maybe. And um, and you're trying to train for triathlons and you're sitting there trying to measure whether you're uh, you're whether your left leg is somewhat stronger than your right leg at endurance pace, but not at threshold pace. And then you're, so then what happens is you've got all this set up and now uh, one of your devices, the battery's dead on the left crank arms and they got to, you got, you spend 30 minutes changing that battery out because you got to go to the store and get this battery for this one side, left side. And the whole time you're 40 pounds overweight. <laughs> so you're spending your time on the wrong thing, you know? It's like, uh, just go out and train. The more you bike, the better you get at biking, the smoother everything gets. But at the same time, so you got to decide, you know, are you in a situation where you should be really, believe me, when you buy high-tech crap, you're going to be fiddling with it. If you're in the camp where you actually need to be out exercising more, right, then don't buy stuff like that. But if you're in the camp where you've got time to mess with something like that and everything else that's obvious has already been worked on, then yeah, consider it. But, okay, so the other camp that I'm in, though, is they did figure out something really cool when you're doing left-right that you're um, a lot of time. this is obvious once I say it, your left, let's say you're talking about your left leg, it's not putting out as much power as your right leg well that could be because it's resist your uh, it's not just pushing your bike forward if there's also the whole problem with your other leg as you're trying to push down it's got to lift your other leg up right so that starts messing with the numbers so you got to ask yourself am i am i letting with my right leg am i letting my left leg push down because it's a counterbalance um, and so they can actually start kind of calculating this stuff if you're, uh, if you're not doing stuff right with these power meters, you know, but then there's your marginal gains right there. So you got to ask yourself as the Zen guy over here is saying, Hey, don't mess, don't mess with too much stuff. That's too complicated. If it's going to have you fiddling with yet another device and then on some forum yelling about how their product sucks because uh, it won't connect. Every time you try to connect with the Bluetooth, it drops out your headphones or something like that. And you spend all this time fighting with it when you actually need you could just be getting a little bit more simple and then just out training instead and just riding because that's actually what you need more. So always think about that. All right. That's it. Out, Bing.
Okay, we are here with Cyclocross Star. You know, Kai Blankner, do you know you're still wearing your helmet? Yeah. Are you going to keep wearing it? Yeah. All right, we're in the car. Kai's wearing his helmet. That's how much he liked it. I took a picture of it and posted it on Twitter. Like, more than half of you kids had numbers on your helmets. You know how awesome that is? That means y'all are badass. Yes. <laughs> okay, so what was your first cyclocross? God, this is so cool. I can't believe I'm asking you this. What was your first cyclocross practice like? Fun. Like, what'd y'all do? Um, we did like, start at the beginning. Um, we did this zigzag course. So it's on a big grassy park? Mm-hmm. With a big ditch? Yeah. And you're on your mountain bike? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, now. Go. So we went in a zigzag course. Um, then we did... Follow the leader? No. Then we did um, a straightaway, and then we had to go to a stop really quickly. Mm -hmm. And then we had to go back. This was like an hour yeah. of this stuff. And you're going through the ditch uh -huh. over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. I saw I saw Kai doing follow the leader, and Kai was a leader, and he was wahooing while he was riding along. That's when you're having fun on a bike, you yell out, Woo! Yeah. Like, that, like Muscle Man on the regular show? Yeah. Yeah. You're allowed to do that, especially when mountain biking or cyclocrossing, but definitely mountain biking. Like you're riding by yourself, and it's just so, you just feel so awesome all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. You just go, woo! And there's that one girl. Who is that girl? She's cute. I forgot her name. She has the coolest bike. That is not an off-road bike. <laughs> but she's got the pink bike with the ape hangers and the banana seat, right? And pink fenders. That is a that is a cool bike. Anyway, okay. So how did your mountain bike that the uh, listener supported supporters supported uh, get for you work awesome. out? We still need to oil the chain. Yeah, the chain sounds like a bunch of uh, a bird's nest where they tweet 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 all that squeaky sound. And uh, so it needs oil, right? Or lube. Mm -hmm. We use um, that gold lube. I forgot the name out off the top of my head. And then uh, Kai has earned a small milkshake for all that hard work, man. Can I get an ice cream cone? Instead of a, instead of a milkshake? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, totally. See, Kai, there is a reason for junk food, right? This is a perfect example of why milkshake and ice cream cones and stuff exist. You got to earn it. So we asked the coach when he was done, if Kai earned it. And he's like, oh yeah, he earned it all right. Didn't he? He said I did a good job. Yeah. Wow, that was cool, man. So I sat in the car and edited a podcast blog post and an XML feed. So uh, what I did was I worked out extra hard this morning so that, uh, oh, the McDonald's isn't here. Anymore. Anymore. Oh my. I got lost. Well, I guess it's a shortcut because we don't have a light. Yeah, so we're going to go under that underpass. Well, we got more time to talk. Okay, so you like the cyclocross? Uh-huh. Can you wait for your next race? No. Wait, what well, do you mean next race? So there's going to be a race. No, cyclocross is racing. No, I meant like my next triathlon. No, 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 no. There's no triathlons for a while. 
But, yeah. well, there's the Iron Baby. You're yeah. going to do part of the Iron Baby with me? Well, when y'all are doing the run. Because you're the reason for the season. Well, when y'all are doing the run, I'm going to ride my mountain bike while y'all are in Indian Lakes. You can run some of it, too. You're in good shape. Sure. And you can swim part of the swim, too, if the lake's not too cold. What lake? Lake Bryan. Lake Bryan. We're doing the swim in Lake Bryan. Oh, okay. But y'all could also do it at Indian Lakes. Uh, I'd love to. You can. We could. I don't know, though. That would be perfect. Because then y'all could just get on your bike. We would, we would have to get uh, Kyle's parents to say that it's okay. The lake isn't. Yeah, it is. Indian Lakes. Yeah, it's for free. No, that's it's their lake. No, you can get in. Well, so we need to ask Kyle's mom. Okay. This is Dipple. <laughs> and then, uh, wow, that'd be cool. It's got an island in the middle. Imagine swimming around that island. Okay. Watch out so. For I don't know anything about the bacteria content in that lake, though. That's the thing. That's good, right? Uh, yeah. Except uh, Mr. Dipple says they swim in it all the time and it's fine. So I guess until somebody dies, it's fine. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, hey, I'm really proud of you Thank for you. doing cyclocross. That's something I've never done. I've always wanted to do. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you know about cyclocross races though, right? Mm. You remember the videos I showed you of yeah, cyclocross? I remember that. That's intense, man. You start doing cyclocross. That's like that's like that's like uh, that's like MMA, UFC fighting. Like when we watch those guys fight each other on TV. That's like cyclocross is like the bike version of that. It's a, it's crazy riding road bikes on dirt or mountain bikes. Depends. So how did you feel like your mountain bike was? Was it fast or slow or normal? Normal. Medium. Yeah. Okay, that's fine then. That's good. Okay. All right, because we need to save up for you to get a new road bike, not a new cyclocross bike. Okay, that's it. Thanks, man. You're welcome. All right. Wednesday morning. I'm eating an Amrita bar because I just swam. Amrita Health Nutrition something dot com. Ah. Mmm. Oh, I needed that. I need some water. Oh, no, I don't have any water. I'm driving to W to the ERK. Work, the work hole, and going to get her done. Um, I was just swimming. Uh, I swam for an hour. I had an hour to swim, so I swam for an hour. And I stopped every 15 minutes and took a sip of fuel. Oh, interesting fuel combo. Coconut oil. Got to heat it up sometimes. Throw it in the microwave, in the jar. Take the metal lid off or else you'll get a sparkler show. And, uh, I don't know, 20 seconds or 10 seconds, something like that. And it'll, it'll liquefy your uh, coconut oil. Put a couple of spoonfuls. A tablespoon is like a hundred and it's like a hundred calories. And, uh, so I just, not even a tablespoon. I do like spoon, spoon, you know, like eating out of a cereal bowl spoon. Coconut oil, a couple spoons into a, uh, Gatorade bottle, you know, like a, a, a running bottle, water bottle, bike bottle, and then 
potato starch, unmodified potato starch, which is a, um, it's a cousin of UCAN, all the stuff about UCAN and, and, uh, uh, God, what a super starch. Well, potato starch, um, is also a super starch and it's like half the price or less. So, um, I'm not promising it'll work for you because if you don't have the right bacteria to digest stuff in your gut, you will get a ton of gas. And Morgan's been trying it lately, and it's giving him crazy dreams. And actually, the other night, I had crazy dreams, too, and it happened to be um, uh, co-aligned. Co-aligned? Everything that's aligned is co. But anyway, it happened to be co-aligned with taking some potato starch with my fuel. So maybe I, maybe that's related. But uh, I remember, um, yeah, I remember I had a dream that I crashed my, I crushed the top of my uh, uh, Xterra under a low-hanging branch, you know, and it just ripped up the roof of my car, and uh, I've actually driven a car with a uh, bicycle on the top of it into a garage before, that was fun, and uh, bent the frame of my bike, bent the top tube, and still went on to ride it and get third in my age group, <laughs> one of my first ever triathlons, <laughs> and then kept on riding it, and eventually got rid of it, um, it was a steel frame, so it was pretty tough, um, then, uh, stories from the past, what happened after that? Um, oh, so that was my crazy fuel with a dab of honey to make it just a little bit sweet. You could add some salt if you wanted to to it. Um, so probably around um, 250 calories or something like that. But anyway, stop every 15 minutes, take a sip, shake up, shake up the bottle so everything's all mixed up. Take a sip because super starch, kind of potato starch, and you can whatever settles to the bottom like clay. So you just shake it up. And then uh, had a nice swim, 2.4 miles per hour. Um, it was about a 59-minute Ironman swim. And then uh, so 4,000 meters. Took a picture of it when in, oh the locker room. So uh, there's this now ritual that I have where I try to get out of the water fast enough to beat the boys' swim team, the high school boys' swim team, to the locker room because they're freaking insane. And there's like a, there's, I don't know, there's like 10 of them or 15 of them, but like three of them are really loud and yelling and stuff. And I'm having my nice peaceful swim and trying to listen to a back to work podcast or something, you know, mind my own business, enjoy life. And they're yelling on purpose, like back and forth at each other and singing Beastie Boy songs, which I love, just not somebody else singing it out of tune. And then... Um, then they start doing push-ups in the, in the locker room and there's just clothes and crap everywhere. And now boys in speedos, uh, doing push-ups with too much testosterone all over the place. So, uh, and then hogging the showers and it's a real scene, um, being loud, uh, talking about each other's moms, which is kind of funny and popping each other. Oh my God. They're popping each other with towels, you know, like it's so like classic, uh, locker room crap, right? But, uh, <laughs> uh, and I don't have a problem. I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. That's their thing. You know, boys need to do that kind of crap. I'm just wishing I wasn't in the middle of it. <laughs> so I literally, literally, not figuratively, literally stepped over one of the kids while they're doing push-ups because he was in my way. So I just walked and stepped over him and, uh, and kept on walking while I was brushing, while I'm brushing my teeth. And, uh, 
and they all kind of paused for a second. They're like, holy crap, this guy's not effing around, dude. He's not going to walk around us. He's going to walk through us. And I'm like, yeah, well, dude, I don't have a problem with what you're doing at all, you know? And, dude, I went to, like, as we've all heard a million times now, that would be a drinking game. I went to military school, and I was in the core at A&M. I've seen push-ups. I've seen lots of yelling and screaming and, and acting like idiots. That's what you do. Um, that's how you staff our armies. <laughs> You're perfect for that right now at this age. Um, uh, just I just got to brush my teeth and get to my job, you know, so I can pay the bills and eventually get my own kid doing stupid crap like whatever you're doing right now. It's the circle of life. <sighs> anyway, what was interesting was the... Um, this is not my secret fuel, by the way. I have a totally different secret fuel. But um, I just wanted to try this. And what's interesting is it's a lot like hornet juice. Um, the power starts... Uh, coming on and um, plenty of energy um, and just swimming along and uh, the whole thing is is if you eat stuff that's too sugary this is a theory it's probably true it sounds true if you eat stuff that's too sugary you get a, a sugar spike an insulin spike and then an insulin crash and then you have to keep taking more and more and more and extra oh there's some dogs loose over there you have to start taking extra to um, let me see if I can round up these dogs there's these dogs loose over here hold on alright I'd like to introduce y'all to Bella and Duke who are now in my car that I've rescued from the street, acting like maniacs. They look like very well taken care of dogs and very sweet. What's up, guys? Lots, lots of panting. They look like my own dogs when they have a great escape. And they, uh, I'm in the police impound parking lot right now. We're gonna put them in a in an animal control vehicle. And uh, they've got phone numbers and tags and stuff. I got to get to work so these these dogs can uh, get picked up by their owners. Hopefully, they'll be grateful that somebody rescued them out of the street because as I grabbed them, a car was honking at them because they almost got run over. So, um, probably it, it looks like classic escaped under the fence or escaped through a gate that was open. And uh, I've had people rescue our dogs when they've done that, and it's really appreciated, no matter how much it costs to pick them up. So... Anyway, okay, that's it. Say bye, Duke. Bye, Bella. <laughs> Out. I still didn't understand. If you're unsure where to find the track... That's too bad. I was going to put that in my podcast. Do you have a podcast? Yeah. I've always had a podcast. Where you talk and people listen to it? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and people listen to it. That's the trick. Sorry, I'm having so much trouble. Just a moment while I transfer you Sorry. to a FedEx representative. <sighs> Man, this is soon going to turn in just the podcast called Late for Work. <laughs> God, I'm really late today. This is a bad habit. I am not happy with it. By the way, there's the, the mean old guy that lives down the street. This big burly guy who over-controls his dog. My dog's not in control enough, and this guy has decided that it's his mission in life to be have a German Shepherd and make it 
act properly all the time. Which can make you miserable. I was explaining the difference. Somebody had never heard of Zen yesterday. What is Zen? And uh, oh, that's a good that's a good 10, 15 minute conversation. But uh, basically, it's not so much. There may or may not be a God in, after, uh, in the afterlife. That's not the point. The point is more of what you do right now. And uh, because you can actually make a heaven and hell right now. If you're miserable right now, you're in hell. If you're happy right now, you're in heaven. And again, it doesn't. it's not concerned with the afterlife. Um, it's not saying there isn't an afterlife. Uh, it's just saying uh, that doesn't matter right now. And... Uh, Um, so if you uh, and and there's also shallow happiness you know where you're taking advantage of other people to make yourself happy or advantage of nature and that's not gonna you know there's like happy right 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 now but there's a little bit deeper happier happy right now and that you're gonna be you know happy for a while which is kind of like fast acting sugar versus long acting sugar (laughs) fast carbs versus slow carbs um, but anyway, there's an appropriate response for everything, right, you know, to, uh, to avoid here now. So anyways, if you've got a dog that you've decided it's making you miserable, anything that's making you miserable because you're always yelling at it to be in control, so frustrated all the time, then maybe you're clenching it, you're clenching the rope. They say if you clench the rope a little bit too tight, then you get rope burned. So you need to learn to not be so, so concerned about control like right now because you can't control things entirely and you shouldn't want to Um, you should participate in the world you know surf the waves don't try to stop them you can't stop them over eventually they'll uh, override and wreck what you've uh, got going on so anyway so there's this old guy down my street that one time Kona came running out. Hold on, I'm gonna quit talking. I'm in a school zone. Okay, back. The um, Kona pushed through the front door, pushed through me, because he's a beast, and uh, ran out into the street and started barking and running in circles around this old guy and his German Shepherd. And the old guy's a big dude, right? He's six foot something. He's fat, so he's like 200 and 250 pounds, you know, and. Uh, he took, he like kicked, he kicked Kona, I remember now, yeah, he actually hit Kona with his foot, he kicked him, and then he shook his fist at, at me, and, and at the, at Kona, um, cause I was standing out in the front, in the driveway by the front door, going, Kona, come back, you know, cause I know Kona, he's not gonna hurt anybody, and, uh, the old guy goes, if your dog comes after, like he's coming after him, if your dog comes after my dog again, I'll kill him, like that, and I thought, wow, that's a lot of rage right there, over, you know, there's a lot more going on there than, than my dog and, and his dog and the control and all this other stuff. Cause I've noticed this guy before. And, uh, I heard on another podcast, another guy talking about getting into crap with other people and he lives in New York city. And, um, one of the, the best things you can do is give somebody a response that they're not expecting. And it kind of throws them a little bit. And so, <laughs> I said, 
So he goes, yeah, if your dog, if your dog does this again, I'll kill him. Like that. Really, like, that was really like that. Very threatening. Big man, you know. And I calmly looked at the guy and I go, I go, uh, I doubt it. Like that. You're okay? Jeez. You got a lane and a whole freaking shoulder. Anyway, the, um, <laughs> sorry, another angry person. And, uh, I go, I doubt it like that. Cause I really do. I doubt it. I doubt the guy's actually going to kill. And that guy just freaking lost it. He could not believe that. I, that's what I said. I should have either challenged him like, no, you won't. Or, um, you know, like, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. Cause I don't know, honestly, the, the weirdest response I could have given him was I doubt it. Cause that questioned his whole method right there. And it kind of threw him. And anyway, um, that's a, your Zen lesson for the day is sometimes it's appropriate to, uh, when somebody does something crazy to actually, all you say is just, I doubt it. <laughs> it's a bit of a challenge too. <laughs> I don't know if I should have done that, but to really throw the guy for a loop, every time I see him, I, I wave like really, he tries not to look at me. I think he, he hates me because I didn't bow down to his, uh, his super anger tantrum fit. And he used, he probably is used to scaring people. And, uh, um, every time I see him, which is several times a week, I, uh, he turns his head away from me and won't look me in the eyes. And I smile at him, wave my hand and say, good morning. How's it going? Like that to let him know that he's not, he's not going to rule the street with his, uh, angry attitude. It, it's not going to take everybody down around him. There's at least one person that's not going to believe in it. <clears throat> and then, um, also, uh, I would be the first person to help him out if he needed, um, one thing that guy needs is a hug, I think more than anything else, <laughs> but let's say he fell down or something like that, or, um, he's stuck doing something, then, uh, definitely be there to help them out. But anyway, that's all a tangent. Had a great workout this morning. Really, really cool. Uh, last night doing the, um, actually last night on the bike, the, there's an old podcast with, uh, Phil Maffetone. When, when all my old podcasts got shot in the face and quit working, the, uh, the, one of the first ones I brought back online is Phil Maffetone. And he's the one that's, uh, the authority behind, uh, math, maximum aerobic function, which means, a one way to train is to uh, get up your speed to right below anaerobic and um, train right there as much as you can, and it'll uh, it'll train the body to be very efficient at the fastest it can go aerobically, and um, and aerobically is where you want to be for uh, long distance stuff. You don't want to go anaerobic because then you're dipping into reserves that you need. Um, so you want to get as fast as you possibly can aerobically because if you're aerobic, you can just keep pouring fuel and water and air on the problem and you'll keep going, right? Um, so what you do is you train at that level, at that speed, at that heart rate, and uh, you'll be... Uh, you'll get faster and faster because you'll, your body will figure out how to be more and more, more and more efficient, you know, with like cadence and turnover and mu muscle movement and 
arm and leg movement and stuff like that, and you'll start getting faster and faster. So people really love this stuff, and they'll train and train and train at math, maximum aerobic function, um, and get faster and faster and faster. Um, one thing it doesn't do is it doesn't help you with like massive hills and stuff because you just need overall strength for that. But that's a different type of workout for different times. So um, it's fun to do math workouts where you take, uh, what is it, uh, 180 minus your age. And that seems to be a good uh, limiter heart rate. So uh, 180 minus my age is uh, 139. And, um, and then you can add a few beats of heart rate up to five beats of heart rate for your level of experience and stuff like that. So I can float around 140. And, um, and if I go over 140, and this is for you too, uh, for most people, um, if you go over your math heart rate, then you'll start um, going anaerobic and you've got limited time before you crater. And you don't want to train there because you're just training the body to, to uh, not do the right thing. And um, so what anyway, I was doing, a, there's a problem with cycling where most of us are like, gosh, if I try to do math heart rate on the bike, um, I blow up. And Maffetone says, yeah, you blow up, but it actually it's a, it's a limiter in your mind. It's psychological. Just like, uh, you know, the four-minute mile is psychological. It's just a number. It doesn't mean anything. Um, you you should be able to pedal at your uh, just a just a few beats below your maximum aerobic heart rate on the bike and uh, if you can't well then your muscles aren't developed yet enough and you just keep doing it eventually you'll get there and so last night I was having a great ride with uh, doing math and uh, it's true man like it takes a while and it takes a lot of training just like running, you know, it takes a lot of training to get your legs so that they can turn over with that amount of uh, speed and heart rate. Because usually people on the bike, you know, bike heart rate is 10 beats lower than the run. Um, and what Maffetone is saying is it doesn't have to be that way. You can bike at, in my case, let's say around 140 heart rate. Um, you just have to train yourself up to it. And because your heart rate isn't over, um, over that number, then you should be able to do it for long periods of time and uh, not be going anaerobic. And so last night, you know, 20 minutes of warming up, getting faster and faster and faster, and then got up to uh, around 140 and then just holding it. And it's nuts, man. It's crazy, but it, you can totally do it. And I was riding the Austin 70.3 course, and uh, the amount of watts that you can put out when you're at math on the bike is really high. <laughs> so I had one of my best bike rides ever. So after my warm up for the next like 40 minutes, because it was an hour bike ride total, um, that that last 40 minutes of where I was riding math was an average average watts of two average of 265. It's, that's really high for me. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And um, I was never like huffing for air too much because you're going anaerobic when you start huffing for air. You're trying to, you've over, you've overrun your aerobic system and now you're trying to borrow extra oxygen and, and stuff because uh, you're going too hard. And uh, then this morning, turn around and did a math run 
and was uh, eh, about 15, 20 minutes of warm up with Kona running around. You know, he's a maniac and uh, dragging me down the street and stuff. And then uh, what did we do after that? Oh, they started running loops around my house and uh, at math. Anytime I was going over 140, I try to bring it back down. And there's two little hills, and it's so nice. And then, uh, um, ended up with my fastest math run I think that I've ever done. Uh, 8:05 pace. And if you would have told me, it's totally aerobic, you know. Uh, if you would have told me, and with two hills in it each half mile. If you would have told me a couple years ago that I'd be running 7.4 miles or something like that uh, in, at a, in an hour, I would have been like, you're freaking kidding me. I remember when I was trying to hit like six and a half and uh, all this math work and improving over time has got me up to almost seven and a half in an hour. It's crazy. Crazy. So it's possible, people. It's totally possible. All right. I got to go in. Out. Bang. Oh my God, I got to get out of that freaking locker room thing. Jesus, I'm out of there. <laughs> High school swim team boys. Oh, they're so loud, man. There's this, uh, they're now talking about texting each other's moms. <laughs> like when I texted your mom last night. Oh my. Anyway, I'm trying to get into the Zentri Mobile Studios here. And, uh, that was the band over there playing. So much racket. The uh, these trails are opening up nearby, and they're on private land, so it's like a park, like a private park. You buy a membership, and they have mandatory rules, and then they have uh, suggestions, strongly suggested. And it says no headphones, and. Uh, I'm like, well, too bad, because <laughs> I'm wearing headphones <laughs> while I run for out. I'm like, if you know ultra running, trail running, if you know trail running, you know ultra running. If you know ultra running, you know headphones, because it is so much time out on the trail. You listen to podcasts, you learn about stuff, science. I listen to science podcasts, philosophy podcasts, and, uh, but anyway, no, there's a reason you don't wear headphones is because you'll, um, you could end up crashing into somebody. But I'm really used to it, so I'm, I'm pretty good at it. I'm not that worried about it. And then the reasons why were people join a running place. Oh, you know, because they're like, uh, you meet people and talk to other people. Num the number one people join, number one reason that people join... Oh man, I'm disoriented. The number one reason people join a running club is to meet other people and talk. And I thought, no, that's probably the last reason I join a running club. <laughs> I join a place, I, I'm in a weird situation where uh, I'm joining a running club to get access to a place where I can run, not, not to uh, be uh, social. It's pretty funny. I actually want to, I'm the type of personality that uh, I'm an introvert and uh, I like to get away from people and uh, all this talking on a podcast thing, that's, uh, that's uh, under my control, you know, so it's my own environment and I'm by myself when I do it. So it's, 
it's weird how many introverts are podcasters. It's actually really odd. Anyway, so like when I go out, um, I used to train with people, and then under Mike Ritchie, you know, doing uh, training log stuff, he would say, uh, "Why'd you go so fast on this one ride, my old coach?" And I said, oh, you know, I was with a group, and then the group went this and did this, and I was trying to keep up. And he said, okay, if you're serious about this, you have to quit training with other people. You can meet with them at the start and hang out with them at the end, but as far as the workout goes, you need to do what your workout says for you to do and quit. Uh, you train with other people, you end up going too fast or too slow, like all the time, having to stop all the time because somebody else gets a flat and stuff. Uh, so I got into, man, I especially love bike riding by myself, going out on long, long rides all by myself, self-sufficient, and uh, I would love to have another person with me that was my exact same skill level or even faster than me that just went at my speed. John Hirsch, the times that I've ridden with him is uh amazing because uh when he rides with me usually it's in the winter time and uh he's in kind of recovery base mode and because uh, up north you know it's winter they're trying to chill out and uh in the south we actually we do a lot of races in the south so i'm in peak training mode and in the summer is when we have a, a lull because it's so freaking hot nobody wants to race and uh so i'll ride with john hirsch and he'll just tag along with me and uh, and we're pretty even at that point because I'm peeking out and he's just cruising along easy. Um, I've ridden with Gary and Gary's faster than me and he's from around here and man, I have to beat beat my ass to to keep up. And it's too much. So anyway, um, that'll wrap up this episode. We've got um, the Millican Reserve is is where we're going to start running uh, pretty soon, trail running and probably mountain biking and stuff. Bought a family pass, so we'll have that. Probably some adventures there coming up. Uh, Sid Garza-Hellman was super cool to be on this show, so go check him out. He's a laid-back guy. Rational approach. Um, I might try to get an interview with Brad Warner, who uh, does... Uh, he's a Zen author and a former punk rocker and and uh, did a really funny read about... Uh, Zen is really just don't be a jerk. <laughs> Um, Hardcore Zen is Brad Warner's book and podcast and such. And there was something else. Oh, and then uh, there's two other things. Um, next show, we'll do the Tour de Cure, which is a charity ride. I'm doing 44 miles. I looked at the route. It's pretty flat. I'm going to bring my tri bike and ride it as a workout. It'll take me about two hours, and two hours plus maybe. And uh, so mix in some intervals and some tempo and some race pace and things like that and uh, make it a good workout, a two-hour workout. Um, And then also I've been in touch with The Real Starkey on Twitter, The Real Starkey Twitter spoof account, Real Starkey Twitter guy, and uh, I might be working with him on a podcast. So we might have an interview with him uh, coming up. So listen for that on the next episode. And that's it. Everybody stay safe out there. Stay zen. Keep it cool. Stay in control. But don't worry too much. Middle path, everybody. Middle path. 
work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down, out. Oh, my God.